0: Blackjack Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't
1: know what to say or to
0: expect.
1: All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blackjack. Jack.
2: I love you. You, you complete me. And I just... Shut up. Just, just shut up.
3: You had me. At podcast.
2: <laughs> God. <laughs> what a nightmare. We had a really tough time. <laughs> Too many quotes. This is like so... the most quotable movie of all time. Uh, I'm David Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. Welcome to our
3: podcast. It's called Blank Check with Griffin and David. We're hashtag the two friends. We host the show. We go through filmmakers who have massive success and then get blank checks to work on other projects and sometimes those checks bounce sure and sometimes they cash those suckers in yep this is a mini series we yep. do mini series we go through filmographies and the guy we're working on right now is cameron crow cameron crow and we are on his most iconic successful film yes that film is called jerry maguire this mini series is called we pod
2: a cast this is his most iconic film, I guess. I think It's definitely so. his most successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, We podcast. We're foreshadowing where this miniseries is going, yeah, but are. right
3: now we're in, we're
2: in the- We're in the golden- uh, The glory days. I mean, we could have called it, you know, Podcast Maguire. That would have been a great uh, miniseries title. Yeah,
3: so. it would have been great.
2: Podcast Maguire.
3: We podcast. You get it. Look, the people wanted it. 47% voted for We Podcast. It's true. And I, I, who am I to not listen to the, the public other than when we chose to do Cameron Crowe instead of James Cameron? <laughs> Whatever. Um- the, the, today we are discussing the motion picture of Jerry Maguire. Jerry Mag fucking Guire. Jerry Mag fucking Guire. Yeah. Um, hugely successful movie. Um,
2: it, 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 huge. I. It, it's incomprehensible how big this movie was,
3: and, and it's uh, it's especially hard to uh, comprehend today because uh, this is not a kind of movie that gets made by studios
2: anymore. And when it does, no one goes to see it. <laughs> Imagine this movie getting made today. Imagine, like... Lunacy. It could happen. I'm trying to think of a Tom Cruise level star today. I guess there's nobody. There's I'd argue, nobody. I'd
3: argue there isn't one.
2: But but say, you know, if Chris Pratt decided to work with, like, an actual artiste. Yeah. And, like, make just, like, a romantic drama that he wrote, you know, he or she wrote, this artiste.
3: I think it'd do... $25 million domestic.
2: It, I, it's hard to imagine it becoming this kind of a phenomenon. Do
3: you know what I think the last example of this is? The, the last film to function in this kind of way? Yeah. Unstoppable Will Smith coming off of like 10 consecutive hits making Pursuit of Happiness,
2: which is nowhere... Sure, but Pursuit of Happiness was not this kind of movie, even though it did very well. It, but
3: I'm just saying, that that was the last time where it was like a star was so unbeatable that they could make a character drama and it played like a blockbuster. Yeah. I'm not saying they're the same movie, but I'm saying I don't think there's anyone who has that kind of cachet today. You know?
2: Jennifer Lawrence maybe. Possibly, but no and one saw she, Joy. Yeah, but people saw The Silver Linings Playbook.
3: Yeah, but that was the one that made her. What? No, she'd already been in The Hunger Games.
2: What? No. I, the Silver Linings Playbook is a better example. I think that's a good example. I
3: I think that's because film it got all the
2: Oscar the nominations. She was already a huge deal. And it was a like straightforward romantic drama. Like it was not you know, with comic elements.
3: I agree, but a lot of that films on Coop, and I also think no,
2: no, no. you're wrong. I, no, but you're I also, also think that was part of her ascension. Of course, it was part of it, but you know, I think that's a decent that's a decent example because the Pursuit of Happiness is a weepy. It's not funny at all. It's just like a true but, space. But I'm, I'm a saying, true it's story. a
3: star-driven drama with no right. like. This is not the conversation hook. we need to have. No, because to put this in context, I, I mean, like you this. look at fucking Cruz's the ten years leading up to this movie. Yeah, he was just unstoppable.
2: Uh, yeah. He I mean, that,
3: that's the thing. The brand was so fucking strong. Tom Hanks did something like this, too.
2: But Tom Hanks was more of a, he was always a comedy, you know, star as well as a...
3: And also star. that run ended. Like, Tom Hanks was this guy also in the 90s. This is kind of my point, is that these two
2: guys sure. couldn't
3: do this today. There's Probably a reason not. these two guys are doing more sort
2: of genre-y films now. Well, there's two very different reasons, I would say. Yeah. Tom Hanks, because he got a little older, you know, yeah. he became more of a, a dad. Yeah. And Tom Cruise because of uh, some some issues yeah. in his personal life. But yeah. Cruise, Cruise only does sci-fi now, essentially. Yeah, because that's where we can buy him, or action. Like, we yeah. can buy him as an impossible person.
3: Yeah, and, and Hanks now, I mean, mostly does smaller scale kind of dad movies, but also, like, his bread and butter now is that fucking Dan Brown
2: series. Is that his bread and butter? It's just I don't know why they make those, except for that they make money. But which is so weird because because they make like international money and stuff. But like I like, do you really think Tom Hanks like calls Ron Howard and is like, "Let's do another brownie. Let's do another Dan Brown." I mean, honestly, they made three of them. They made three of them. But I also I think it's like it's like they get to go to Paris, have some nice dinners. Shoot a week in the Louvre, you know, like, hey, where are we going this time? going to the Vatican? <laughs> great? Great. I mean, we need to try this new place, you know, yeah,
3: I also think, I mean, this is <laughs> we're getting this nature, this conversation about the nature of modern stardom, which I think isn't that off topic because it's important, you know, this is what this whole movie is, like peak yes. stardom, peak movie yes. stardom.
0: Yeah, but
3: I think um modern stardom is tied into this thing that even if you're huge, if you're Jennifer Lawrence or you're Chris Pratt mm-hmm. or whomever, uh, you need to sort of have the, like, trees that you hang your hammock up on. Like, you need to, you know, the, the swing of your hammock is you taking the risk of doing something that might not work, but you know you have a fucking Guardians of the
2: Galaxy or Jurassic World on either side. I guess so. I also think it's just that, that the world is too big now, and it's like, It's harder for someone to dominate, you know, the culture in the same way.
3: And also, dramedies like the the everything's made internationally now. (laughs) Everything's made internationally now, and the movies that sell well overseas are the ones that are super fucking visual.
2: I just love it. Inferno shot in Venice and Budapest. I just imagine like Tom being like, "There's this place in Budapest with like poppy seed muffins. I've been meaning to go to. Can we have like a week in Budapest? Do you not see what I'm saying though?
3: (laughs) That like, I mean, yes, I think that's probably what happened. (laughs) But the fact that like, okay, no one sees fucking hologram for the king. But Hanks is like, okay, I got a brown coming. I at least know that's like an easy. I don't like two fifty world. Got a brown coming. I'm pushing out a brown. (laughs) I'm taking a trip to Brown Town. Okay.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to, so let's talk about Cruz. I'll, I'll just talk about Cruz very briefly and then we, because this is a Cameron Crowe podcast, so we should talk about Cameron Crowe, but, but briefly. When
3: a film is this much about a movie star, we got to, we got to contextualize a little bit, you know? And I think we did the same thing with Will Smith and After Earth. I'm not saying that Cruz had this level of authorship over the film, but this is like No, he did. the Tom Cruise movie. Um, can, can, there's one other guy I want to talk about, though.
2: James L. Brooks, but I want to talk about Cruz.
3: There's yet another guy I want to talk about.
2: Cuba Gooding Jr.? One more guy. Uh, 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 Jonathan Lipnicki? Benjamin Hosley. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey. Are you typing, Ben? I am. I, I got a new, I know. I got a
1: new keyboard. It's a Dell. And it's really loud. You are going to get that typing off the track? Oh, I don't know. I think it's kind of nice ambiance, <laughs> don't you? Did you specifically
3: ask for a louder keyboard?
1: No. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: that, of course... Is the clacking fingers of <laughs> the clacker tip tapping away? No, do not. He's the tip tapper. No, <laughs> no, I don't
2: like tip tapper. because no. no. it's clacky. Yeah,
3: no. Let look. Let's be serious. He's only got a couple nicknames:
0: oh, God.
3: Ben Hosley, producer Ben, Purduer Ben, the Ben Deucer, the Poet Laureate, the Haas, the Peeper, yeah. the Fuckmaster, the mm-hmm. Tiebreaker, Birthday Benny. Uh, I'd say Mr. Positive, Hello Fennel, right? Um, Kylo Ben, uh, producer Ben Kenobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben I Chamelon, mm-hmm. Ben Sait, mm-hmm. uh, did I forget any? Hey,
1: maybe there's a bunch. I think we're, I think we got him.
2: He's not honestly. Professor Crispy. No, no. We, you no. didn't
3: forget that one because he's yeah. not that. Right, he's not that. Um, but, but let's let's just contextualize uh, one one more thing now that the name's been brought up. Uh, ben and I used you, to work on a podcast called Talking TCGs. Okay. Yep. Recap show for the Chris Gathard show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Later existed a slightly different form. TCGs After Party. Uh huh. I don't remember how it originated. Mm-hmm. But at some point we started a bit on Talking T C G S where we would ask our listeners to tweet things at Jonathan Libnikki.
0: <laughs>
2: oh yeah. yeah, yes, Jake. Yeah.
3: We'd give out sort of like code words and we go like if you agree or disagree, tweet hashtag at JLipnikki. Right. And the idea was that we would look at Jonathan Libnicki's mentions to see what people wanted rather than look at our own mentions. Okay. Uh Jonathan- He blocked you for this. Yes, offense. he was not happy. Yeah. Uh, every time people tweet stuff at him, he go, what the fuck is this? What are you doing? You crazy. Yeah, it's um, all pretty fair. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. harassing him. Yeah. Yeah, look, I was young as naive. It was we a different were that time. were young. <laughs> what is it, two years ago? Yeah, TCGS was on public access. It was a different time. We didn't know. But, uh, yeah. So I just, you
2: know, a culpa. Jonathan Lipnicki plays Ray in this film, Jerry Maguire. He was five years old.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's like a real five-year-old in this movie. It's a dynamite
2: performance. Incredible. It's, it's it's one of the best kid performances ever. But, you, you but it's also definitive for like, you see it and you're like, I don't want to see what that kid looks like nope. when he grows up. Nope. I like the kid right now and that's it. Well he the And he's stuck around, you know? The
3: strength of the performance is that he's such a fucking kid in this movie. So
1: crazy. But also he's those glasses.
2: Yeah. You know, like you know how the kid in Say Anything is kind of just like you're like a bland kid? He's like fine, but he just sort of runs around. Like this kid, it's like he's perfect because he doesn't look like all the parts of his body have grown at the right. He's got weird proportions. He's got a big head, he's got a little body. Huge glasses. Sort of like huge glasses. He kinda lolls around. He's got like a really curious way of talking but not like a it's just funny
3: he, he also, has like natural lisby. rapport with yeah yeah and he also i mean here's some other factors they dress him like a little adult
2: yeah they dress him in like little button downs and yeah. Kh- khakis
3: yeah he's like a tiny gentleman yes
2: <laughs> and... the, the the wardrobing the wardrobes of this movie oh incredible fucking amazing incredible i wish we all look like this right now yeah i want to look like 90s businessmen and women but it, yes, agreed. And Bonnie Hunt's costumes, oh, come on! Get oh my out god! Here. And C- Cuba Gunning Jr. wears a wonderful ensemble in this. Well, Alamo is wearing his birthday suit. Yeah, Alamo he's showing Al- off those pecs.
3: Yeah, yeah, that um, ass.
2: Da- he's showing off that ass and that shadowy crotch area, but we don't. Yeah, you know, yeah, you
3: get that's... like the V above yeah, the dick yeah. sometimes. Um, here's another thing about John Thelma taking a uh, a harsh left turn from uh, talking about the V above Cuba Gunning Jr.'s dick to a five year old, <laughs> but. Um, I do, I feel like a lot of movies where there's, like, a five-year-old, they cast, like, a nine-year-old. Oh, sure. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, like, you watch it, like, this is an actual five-year-old. This is a kid. Five little year old. kid. Yeah. But there also is, he feels so unstudied that, like, a lot of scenes where he's talking to Cruz, he's sort of, like, melting into the couch. Yeah, definitely. Like, he's not sort of, like, leaning forward or keeping his head straight. Like, he's always, like, you, a lot yeah. of the movies sitting, and he's sort of, like, at weird angles. funny It's just, like, a kid, and they placed him, and he sat, sat in that position, and he just said stuff.
2: So, but let's talk about his his scene partner and arguable equal, Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, I just want, like, so TC. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, in this, in my opinion, this is the beginning of, or right at the start of the second great age of Cruise. Yeah. After the first great age of this is This is sort of um, the transition. This is like. <laughs> Mission Impossible, in my opinion, is the transition. But, That's when yes. he becomes a franchise. For Mission years, Impossible yes. is when he has his own company yes. and he picks his director.
3: Right, that was the first movie he produced. Yes, that was the and, first Cruise Wagner production. And the thing with Mission Impossible is everyone's like, when's Cruise going to get a franchise? Sure. He needs
2: a marquee so franchise. So we've had Cruise around. You know, he's a teen actor in the early 80s. He's in movies like Taps and The Outsiders and Risky all Business right and right All the rights Moves. Co-starring. Uh, Leia Thompson. And Tom Cruise's wiener. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's keep the dick talk down after uh, that early burst. Uh right you know we, we, I feel like we lean too hard on it sometimes.
3: I don't know people I think people like People like, like it. it I know yeah. I know
2: I just I, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to like I don't want it to be you embarrassed like, because they quoted
3: the Dick thing in Podmass.
2: No I loved that. Okay. That was okay. great. Okay. Um and then he's got then he's got like the first stage of Cruise after Risky Business, right? Yeah. Which is when he's in movies like Top Gun, great. Uh-huh. But then he's making movies like The Color of Money and Rain Man like and Born on the 4th of July. Where he's obviously like trying really fast to be like a big prestige player. And
3: seeking out American auteurs. And like, then at the same American time, a-tours.
2: making very silly movies Days like Thunder, Cocktail, Cocktail, Days of Thunder, Far and Away. You know, and then, but on the other hand, you got like a few good men. That's a, you know, and, you know. But Im- so,
3: important thing to note: nothing, no great movies here. But, a lot of good movies. But and fun other movies. than Far Away, Far, far and Away. And away
2: all of these movies all are huge hits. hits. All away underperformed. away was a hit. I think Farnoway did fine.
3: I think it underperformed to expectations. For a movie
2: about Irish people frolicking right. in the countryside, it did okay.
3: But he was so unbeatable at that point, and there was like the Cruise Kidman thing. Yeah, but all has got other a, ones. a yeah. big
2: tabloid romance, and he's, you know, a marquee idol, and yada, yeah. yada, yada. And then so he's so big after all this, and then Interview of the Vampire is a big hit, you know. Right. All which, of these
3: are at least triples of not home runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: So then we're in the second phase of Cruz, which I feel like he's like. He's trying to sort of uh, exert control at every level of the movie making process. So you've got he picks De Palma, a crazy choice to make the Mission Impossible movie.
3: Yeah, and sorry, and just, that's the launch of his. J- just to, to clarify, at this point he has one Oscar nomination for Born on the Fourth. That's of the one he's gotten. Correct. pre McGuire. Okay, yeah. so then yes, he but, picks but De Palma. he gets
2: robbed of them for you know like Color of Money. Newman wins an Oscar. Right, he doesn't get nominated. Rain, uh, Rain Man, man Hoffman, Hoffman wins an Oscar. Wins Oscar. He doesn't get nominated. He keeps on sort Fuget of alooping people. Few Good Men gets a picture. By, you know, Jack yeah. Nicholson. He doesn't get anything. And then
3: everyone thought he was going to win for Born on the Fourth of July. And then like November surprise, here comes a, a little here film comes out of nowhere. A man
2: called Danny Day.
3: Yep. Danny DL hits the scene and fucking on the DL up on the DL. No, he slid into your DLs like.
2: <sighs> dear me. Like the Garfield meme. Uh, Slid in like Giffield. And then, so the thing is, after Jerry Maguire, which is maybe his biggest hit yet, it's crazy. Like, I mean, I mean, I think Mission Impossible might have made more money or whatever. Top Gun, but, I think, is still I, his biggest grocer at that point. Maybe. But, but, but Jerry Maguire's in the top, like, three. But, but, I mean, also just in terms of, like, it gets the Oscar nominations. It yes. gets the reviews. It has this, like, incredible long life on video and on cable and, yeah. like, you know. It's so quotable. But it's like, wait, wait, it's, it's okay. kind of the Tom Cruise movie because he's just playing a guy. Yeah, and it's, he's not playing a fighter pilot or a spy. Right. Or and what, the you whole know? movie
3: is Cruise. The whole movie, like you know, it, it sinks <sighs> or swims on Cruise. And yet,
2: it's a great ensemble piece. Right.
3: But, and but then it, after but this that, this movie is like a five-tool player. That's the thing you're getting exactly, at. Is that exactly. it's like it's critically Laughs, loved. romance. You know, I, yeah. It gets the Oscars. It's a huge financial success. Everyday people love it. Like it's exactly. like a big mainstream success and then it has a huge
2: afterlife. What does he do after this? Do you know? The one right after this? There's nothing right after this. What he does after this, he and Kubrick and Kidman link up. They go Whoa. off to make Eyes Wide Shut for fucking, you know, endless and he's, years. And he's out of the picture for like he's 3 out years. Of the picture and everyone's like, "What's this movie?" Yeah. What's this crazy movie gonna be? But it doesn't even matter because he made Jerry Maguire, so it's like he never leaves. You know, it's just sort of echoing around. Because then, even
3: after Eyes Wide Shut, which was so much more financially successful than it had any right to be, because of the strength of Cruise. You know, like anyone else in that movie, that movie would have made two dollars.
2: Uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Oh, totally.
3: My yeah. God. And it like opened to number one at the box office, like twenty twenty plus million or something.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. Seen as a disappointment only by the standards of Cruz's stardom. Like, right. by the standards of three hour orgy movies about yeah. dreamlike journeys through uh, fake Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, a OK.
3: <laughs> but then he goes. But that, then after that, he makes. MI2 Vanilla makes MI2, Sky. MI2 Vanilla
2: Sky. He makes Minority Report. He makes The Last Samurai. He makes Collateral. Yes. And thus ends the second age of Cruz, in my opinion, because then the third age begins, which is War defined by. It's
3: it's the marketing campaign for War of the World. It's, it's defined PR by his disaster. off
2: screen yes behavior yeah and then he never recovers to quite the level we know him from but no. he's still a big movie star and he still often will make a good movie
3: but but here's a big but difference but this right here oh yeah. i think now tom cruise movies almost do well in spite of tom cruise like when people sit in the theater and they watch it and they like him mm-hmm. then it's he's doing the magic but i feel like movies now are sold in spite of him so I feel bit. like Mission Impossible. They're like, well, I just like the franchise and I like the stunt. Yeah,
2: it's 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 well executed. Yeah, and you know, and he'll it, do anything, but it's not sold on his personality. There's a weird anymore. self-awareness about like Tom Cruise is crazy. The, I mean, I've yes. often argued this. That's why they, the later ones work. Is they argue that the, he's the an movies are about the, how yeah. he's so crazy. Now, I also think this is why. So.
3: And, and, have, and Edge of Tomorrow, I think the thing was like everyone was like, ah, Tom no, Cruise, no, no. and then the concept was. Here's so my Edge of big. Tomorrow theory
2: because yeah. it ties right to Jerry Maguire. Yeah, the reason both those movies work, and those are his two best films. Well, in they my they deconstruct the Cruise persona. Exactly, they're metatextual they, films. they break him down. Yeah, they introduce you to Tom Cruise movie star. Right, yeah. like here he is. He's king of the shit. Nope, bullshit. And then in the first 15 minutes, they tear it all down. Crumbles. It's a facade. Best.
3: They make him human by showing that it's an act. And then he has to figure it out, exactly. Yeah. Right. You want to see movies where Tom Cruise has to become Tom Cruise, whereas the old Tom Cruise narrative was, save for Jerry Maguire, mm. most Tom Cruise movies were, this dude's the most awesome dude in Handsome the world.
2: Handsome man achieves. He fucking rules. <laughs> like, Other think people- about like Top yeah. Guns like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Top Gun has a little bit of like, you got too much ego, but it's like he's fine.
3: But the conflict in 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 a classic old first wave cruise movie is always that someone else doubts him.
2: Um, It's not that he doubts himself. He doesn't doubt himself. It's people go,
3: hey, watch it and he's like I'm fucking Tom Cruise, I know what I'm doing. And the third act is he wins everyone over and then he succeeds more than he even was succeeding in the first two acts.
2: Obviously a movie like Born on the 4th of July or Rain Man, which is a little more serious, yeah. doesn't count. But movies like Top Gun, Days of Thunder, yeah. like uh The Firm, well The Firm is for but you know uh what's another one? Mission Impossible. 100%. You yeah. know, that's the first one. Cocktail. Uh, the, cocktail. Yeah. Uh that's what it is, right. Yeah. A Few Good Men. Absolutely. Like A Few Good yes. Men is the the best example 100%. of them all yeah. where it's just like you're a lawyer. And he's like, yeah, I'm a good lawyer. And it's like, you seem like an asshole. Maybe. I'm a good lawyer. Are you going to win the case? Yes. <laughs> what happens? Win the case.
3: <laughs> this is maybe the, the end. <laughs> this is the first movie That's- where it's like Tom Cruise movie star persona. Because Born the Fourth of July is like. Yeah, he's and, playing a character. Playing character. He's, he's, he's this trying This is like there. cashing in on the Tom Cruise movie star persona, but it also is the guy struggling in yes. a real way. And- Internally.
2: It's It's a self-created struggle. And you buy it because mm-hmm. that's the thing it's tough obviously and we were talking about this on the fletch cast i remember about actors like ryan reynolds who are like they're like so hot you're like eh, i can't really buy this guy kind of a having little a problem. too slippery you, you know, know what i mean i think yeah. this is the problem crow and cruise make with vanilla sky later where they're trying to be again like whoa, is him right and you're like i don't know <laughs> like but yeah jerry yeah. mcguire it works uh where you buy it you buy that he has Failed that he's collapsed, you know.
3: So let's talk about
2: Crow a little bit
3: because there's a big gap Cam between Crow. singles.
2: Yeah, five years practically. Yeah, I mean, the singles came out in ninety two, but he made it in ninety one. Sat on the shelf.
3: Does he just sort of? Do you know what the backstory is? I mean, does he just sort of write this as a spec script? I mean, I know James L. Brooks is back as a producer on this one.
2: He is. He goes back to Gracie Films,
3: right? And I feel like that was a lot of this movie getting off the ground was the James L. Brooks's track record was so. Strong. I mean, as Ben was yeah. saying, dude just fucking prints money for, like, 20 years. Anything he picked was right on. Pretty much. I you mean, know? I mean, it, the dudes obviously he we to don't, mentor. we don't
2: remember his failures, but that's because he had so many successes. There was a I'll do anything was uh, a I'll big flop. I'll do anything is the right. one I think of.
3: But but I'm just saying even just in terms of, like, uh, Simpsons, uh, Cameron Crowe, Wes Anderson. Like, he was, like, picking winners.
2: I don't know the... I don't know the story of how this movie came to be, except for that Tom, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Crowe wrote, wrote a movie about a sports agent, and they, you know, James L. Brooks produced it, and Tom Cruise decided to make it. You know, I don't know that uh, what the what if there is more detail. That's to that the thing, because
3: even I mean, we talked about this last episode, but it's crazy that Cruise agreed to do this. Like, you go, okay, of course, it makes sense. It's a great screenplay. It arrives on his yeah. doorstep. It's a it's a perfect role for him. It's a defining role for and him. And also,
2: Cruz is obviously very interested in working with big artists because he yeah. picks De Palma, he picks Kubrick after this. Like, he wants like big, voicey guys.
3: Yeah, but, but I, I don't know if not can take away from that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think you see the potential there. And this is the film that crystallizes the Crow thing into like, I'm not saying this is a better movie than Say Anything or a worse movie than Say Anything. It is
2: a much better movie than Say Anything
3: because but, it's his best movie but by my, far. My
2: point and is. And it's the definitive Hollywood movie of the last 20 years, I think. Like basically,
3: well, yeah, and it's it's a dinosaur. It's like it, right. you know, it's, that's it's so great. Yeah, I and mean, we were talking last you week got about nothing how,
2: here. This doesn't matter. It's, Sorry, I can't yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, it's it, this film is crazy. You just think that like this movie is like a two-hour, twenty-minute romantic drama. Yeah, it's a hundred and forty okay. minutes long.
3: So let's get in the plot of this. It's movie. crazy it's how insane. long it is. It's insane. But it, but it is. I mean, um, it's
2: like a six-act movie.
3: Yes, which I love. Yeah, me too. I think three acts are are bullshit. Fuck three acts. Yeah. The first,
2: there's a three act movie in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Which is amazing. I mean, the
3: first 10 minutes of this movie are like a speeding train. I also think, I mean, this film, Crow Crow hits the ground running and he's sort of structuring this like a visual essay for like the first 10 minutes. Sure, because he's narrating all these different elements coming in. You have his mentor talking directly to the camera, which has always been his strength, but now he's really playing with the
2: form, you know? yeah, you know who is supposed to play the mentor, right? Who Billy Wilder? oh, that makes sense. Who is Crow's mentor? Yes, and uh, he didn't for some reason uh, Wilder said, "Get an actor basically like yeah. you know'm I'm not going to be as good. Who is the guy? The guy's really good? His name is Jared Jussim, who is not an actor, and He, like just walked into a production meeting or so or into an audition, and Crow and James L. Brooks were like, "This guy is the best because he's the best. Well that's like I mean, <laughs> he plays Dickie Fox. I, yeah. I
3: love how in Moneyball, like, 90% of the guys in the office sure. working for the Archer's team. are just scouts. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like when, and they have that look. Yeah, when Bennett Miller was just, like, researching and he right. was going around the office, he was like, yeah,
2: you should just be, you know right. how to say just, this stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know how to say five-tool player or, you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the
3: scenes where the guys are yelling at Brad Pitt have this, like, metatextual That's strength just... to them where it's like, well, these guys are explaining to Brad Pitt, the actor, that he
2: doesn't know what he's talking about. That movie about. is so great. And I recently rewatched it, and it's so great.
3: I love that movie, and I would actually say that movie is like uh, the closest we've come to a jerry Maguire type thing in a while but you look at the difference of it, it didn't yeah. make the same kind of impact it didn't it did well but like that film is also like that's a star-driven movie yeah. that's like a character that's drama true. about and a no, guy having a crisis it just inside no, sports You it know, has inside no baseball.
2: romance i mean which no. is jerry Maguire's key no. selling point it's also
3: baseball. that film is uh it's, it's not, great, but it's. I it's love a, it, but it's not cynical. But the thesis of the movie is like you can't explain failure. Sure, it's right, about a right, man right. trying to fight a broken system and right. realizing that there's no way to fight it. It just you know shit happens or it doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, um, I love that movie. Great movie. Anyway, Jerry Maguire. The film starts. I wish
2: Foxcatcher was better. I tried to rewatch yeah, Foxcatcher, and I still was gripped by it. There are incredible but, elements. Yeah, to but that it movie. doesn't. It doesn't. It's not watchable. Like, it's I not think, watchable. No, I don't think I so. I still think it's good, though. I think it's a little underrated. But it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's underrated,
3: because, like, it was simultaneously, like, people were shitting on it and, like, praising it way too much. Like, people really, like, stuck to their camps on that movie, you
2: know? Yeah. Um, one, I, one, uh, Miller, make a couple more movies and we'll do a yeah, Miller we miniseries. Make,
3: we have more films. Yeah. Um, that, that scene with, the first scene with uh, uh, Tatum and Ruffalo wrestling is, like, unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There the are, opening. like, scenes in the but, film that or, are so masterfully agree, directed. But, yeah, but Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Maguire. Okay. I'm sorry,
2: it was my fault. I let us down that path.
3: Okay, let's talk about Jerry Maguire. So the opening of the film.
2: So it's, uh, you know, they don't do it ever, guys. Don't do it. Listen to those screenwriting. It's yeah. voiceover explaining things. You've got uh, Jerry Maguire is saying, like, I'm a sports agent. I'm a big shot. Uh, here's Here's me. There I am. Tom Cruise. And it also allows
3: you to, like, I mean, he does a lot of showing, not telling. I mean, Jerry is talking about how he views his life, but underneath this, you're seeing bits of it. "Hmm." And you're able to extrapolate from that,
2: like, this guy's a little too smooth. That great thing where the, like, the athlete's being, like, led off um, yeah, in you know, from cameras after right. obviously being accused of some sort of sexual assault charge, because and she was sixteen, not right, fifteen, something like yeah. that. And Jerry Maguire is like, the one thing we all know is this guy plays great football, or what? Yeah, know, like, and you're like, oh god, he's awful.
3: But that's the thing they say, you know, the reason they say don't use uh, voiceover is that it's like telling, not showing, right? That's like if you, you can't course, find right, a more right graceful there. way to explain this. But this is why this film is so smart on so many levels. The use of the voiceover here is we're going to have Jerry Maguire tell he's you. He's selling
2: you, yeah, right.
3: He's going to tell you how he views his life. Sure. And you're going to see how his life looks from the outside and come to your own conclusions. I love so he's movie. going like, I'm great. And yeah. you're
2: watching it and you're going like, fuck this guy. Well, here's, and here's what, so, so the inciting incident in this movie right at the start mm-hmm. is that even if, even though he's like, look at me, like, you know, I, I work for these big sports stars and that's my job and it's great. He has this breakdown yeah. really early on, after a p- hockey player gets injured and his son says "fuck you" to Jerry Maguire. You know, like it's
3: like his seventeenth concussion, and the right, doctors right. like, the doctor's you know, like, and he's like, and "I this-
2: gotta get back all the ice. I need the bonus. I right. gotta get the bonus."
3: And the son's like, "How many times
2: can this happen and before?" He, it? He's like, <laughs> "That Cruz is so good in this movie. Looking yeah. at his cell phone, being like, it would take." All four, like, VR warriors. Like, he's just, he's not even getting it right. He's yeah. just trying to, like, talk to a kid. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good scene. Uh, Who's that kid? Drake Bell. Right, it's Drake, like Drake Bell. And I knew Josh. it was someone famous. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. so good.
3: Yeah, he just goes, fuck you. Uh,
2: I and remember, he nails that line. He too. does, he's great. Because the whole um,
3: movie hinges on that line. So,
2: yeah. the initial incident is that, uh, Jerry writes this mission statement that's like, yeah, our, our industry become so cynical and we should focus on less athletes. He takes a and, long, you know. hard look in the mirror and realizes that he's a fucking phony bullshit artist. for the But first time. then he immediately papers it back up. That's yeah. what I love about the movie. Me too. It, the whole movie is him figuring that out. Yeah. But it all happens in the first 20 minutes and then he starts to kind of try and like ignore it again. He, he figures it out and doesn't know how to actually put it into action. Sure. But I you know, think he's. But his personality takes a longer time to change. Right, because right. he doesn't know how to do it. Right, he right. understands what to he, be. He's starting self-awareness is creeping into his brain, but right. it's like, right, it's like taking a while to take hold. Yeah.
3: So he writes this like insane stream of conscious manifesto. Sure. He goes to Kinko's. He has them printed up with a cover that looks like Ketra on the Rye, which yep. he brags about. Yep. He has it shipped to everyone in the office. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not talk let's not forget about that copy guy. Okay. They have a cool exchange. Remember, he talks about his balls.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You hang your balls out there. Yeah. Yeah. Then like that. And I then, also I
1: like copy
3: shops. Right. You like nineties technology. Yep, yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> Are you drinking something with a bunch of ice in it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This whole episode's you doing like foley work.
2: It's like you <laughs>
1: God damn it. All right, keep going. <laughs> just, uh, um, are you just going to totally crunch lost. ice
2: in your so, mouth while we're talking? So he's still on top of the world. Yeah. But what I love is, and this is all the opening credits are playing over the scene where he walks into the office and they all start clapping for him.
3: And he, by the way, called up and like he wakes up and he's like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have sent that sure. out. And he calls up and he's like, "Do you already send out? And they're like, yep, sent it this morning. Right, right. And he's like, fuck, fuck, up. He
2: fuck, walks fuck, in the fuck. office, they all cheer him, and you yep. cut to Danal Lug. And someone else, yeah, uh, Donald Logue, How do you say? I his go name?
3: Donald Logue, Donald, Logue, Logue. I might be wrong about that. I have no yeah. idea you
2: say his name. And they're like, "How long are you think? You know, like, about a week. You know, he's yeah. he. We know he's done. Yeah, he's cut. Um, and yeah, but but I I, I like that. Uh, the, the fakeness lingers even through his like supposed calling out of the fakeness.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think shortly after that, we're introduced to Rod Tidwell Jr.
2: No. Shortly after that, we're introduced to Dorothy Boyd, oh, played yeah. by Renee Zellweger. Oh, my Lord. In a star making performance. I mean, an unbelievable. unbelievable performance. A wonderful performance.
3: Here's the thing I've seen this movie too many times to I've count. I've seen this movie like 200 times. Yeah, you've seen it more than me. Yeah. You before the episode referred to it as your favorite movie. It's
2: maybe my favorite movie.
3: Yeah. Like in terms of just a movie you
2: rewatch over and over and over
3: again. I know Renee Zellweger. Sure. You, you know, know her ups and downs. Right. But every single time I watch this movie, from the first time I watched it on VHS when I was like fucking eight, to like watching it, you know, on my fucking uh, Amazon X Ray on my Amazon uh, Fire tablet uh, <laughs> last night, uh-huh. uh huh. I I go, who's this girl? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, every, I know what you mean. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it has like, this lightning straight. in a bottle, uh, star making uh, energy. Where it feels like, where the fuck did she come from? Even though you know the 20 years that follow it. Sure. Which are ups and downs, you know? Ups and downs, she wins an Oscar. Yeah, and I'm hoping she has a resurgence. Because you watch her in this and you're just like, she's capable of so fucking much.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't don't know know that that's going to happen. I don't know. There's not been a lot of evidence in like the last 10 years that she's sort of still got it. She's made made one movie
3: in the last nine years.
2: Yeah, I know. I Mm. think, I mean, maybe
3: seven, Mm. six I believe she hasn't made a film since 2009. That sounds about right. I think it's been seven years, and she's got Bridget Jones 3 coming out, which is, talk about a hammock, it's her going back to her her franchise.
2: That movie's going to bomb. Yeah, but I I don't know, Safe Space, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, let's talk about Renee 96 and Jerry Maguire, who's fantastic. Yeah. Uh... No, we're introduced to her on the plane. Remember, her son is uh, allergic to the blanket, and he barfs into a little barf bag. Yeah, and that's a great introduction to her. Yeah, it's like so. Janusz Kaminski shot this film. Yeah, and he loves just being right up against everyone's face in this movie. There's but, so many full face shots. But
3: that's also Crow's style. I mean, all three of the movies. Yeah, crow have a loves bunch that too. Absolutely. So at this point, the three cinematographers but, are Laszlo Kovacs, mm-hmm, uh, so uh, um, what's his name? Uh, yeah, tak Fujimoto. Fugimoto. Yeah and just, and I mean, me. that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murderers then, row.
2: But where I would say that those two guys that we just, you know, the other, pre, you know, like, yeah. they did fine, but, like, those movies, like, this is a visually distinctive movie. Yanush is having a lot of fun with this movie.
3: And I think he crystallizes a, a look, like a color palette that matches the energy of Cameron's performances yes. and his, um, his actors. It's you know,
1: very like, the dialogue. broad. Yes. Like,
2: a lot of this is shot in, like, Autumnal oranges and it's browns. It's warm. Yeah. And then when Jerry's feeling sad, it's blue and yeah. dark and like you know, and it's all really very well shiny lit. and yeah. slick.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is very much a studio film. It, it. Yeah. Which is if if you tried to make this movie today, it would have a budget of fifteen to twenty million dollars. Sure.
2: Budget you know? on this movie was fifty.
3: Yeah. And that was twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Like it would have fifteen to twenty million dollars today, and it would be a lot more compressed you know and a lot more sort of bootstrappy and part of the success of this movie is it uh successfully portrays the scale of the world he lives in yes
2: you know yes from the clothing to the environments yeah there's all these like brands floating around yeah because he's obviously lives in this world of branding and there's you know espn is always floating like i love you know like you're always like yeah like into that there's photographers everywhere. I don't know. It's got Jared a lot of McGuire. people, and it's got scope got a lot to of it. People. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Big movie.
3: Um, I read that apparently they made a deal with Reebok to, like, get a sponsorship in the movie so they could have the Reebok products. And yeah, and then the they dissed them in the movie. Yeah, fuck 100%. Reebok. They had a contract that said, like, we will not only feature Reebok this much, but have a scene where the characters talk about Reebok in a positive way. Right. And they not only not, didn't include that scene, but also included a scene where people were like, fuck Reebok. And apparently they were like, oh, don't worry, it's in the TV edit. And on the TV edit, they
2: include the scene they shot. Sure, the nice the scene where they're yeah. like, "Love Reebok, good yeah. shoes from them." Yeah, they and wear. Now, I a wear a commercial wear the break. <laughs> yeah. I wear the shoe of Reebok. Yeah. <laughs> no, so we we meet Dorothy Boyd, who's this sort of accountant at uh, you know, she's she's on a a, 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 a nobody, monkey. a peon, yeah. yeah, at at SMI, the sports agency. Uh-huh. But she, Cameron Crowe's a genius. At least now he is. Yeah, like right, you know, when he's making it. Yeah, just that idea of like she's in coach with her sick son and listen eavesdropping in on Jerry Maguire like regaling his seatmate with the story of him proposing to his uh, fiance which is like the most like grossly awful story which is basically like she insulted him while they were rock climbing and then like uh, you know so he didn't propose but then they like got caught by a surprise like engagement party.
3: Have we met the fiance at this point on screen? No.
2: But we, she, Renee, Dorothy says, whoever like snagged him must be some classy broad and then you cut to like, uh, like absurd sex scene where the dog is watching them have sex which I feel like and was, she's like the never stop fucking me sex scene
3: I feel like it was one of the first like non-comedic sex scenes I'd ever seen in a movie
2: sure right. that probably says me, like it's a little eight. comedic but I mean
3: like it's more just the other just sex like, scenes I'd seen were fucking Austin Powers you sure, know no, what I'm saying where you, it's just you, like you, goofballs McGillicuddy yeah, they are having sex I right. mean I thought all sex was the scene in, in Hot Shots Part Duh until I was like <laughs> seven or eight like I was like sure. oh you gotta fucking you need a diving board are you it's kidding right, me right right it's so expensive, you gotta do this every time? Uh, but this was, like, one of the first movies I saw where, like, they, they it's a joke because of the editing.
2: I mean, I think the it's... The juxtaposition. A, it's not, like, a big joke, it's more, like, you're just, like, oh, like, this is a, almost a very performative relationship on both of their
3: parts. Played by a very aggro Kelly Preston. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're
2: both Scientologists. They are, yeah. She is John Travolta's wife to this very day.
3: Which is an element of the Scientology thing of just, like, I'm going to exude supreme confidence and uh, control of my environment and put up a real wall, you know? Yeah.
2: I mean, she's good. Yeah. In the movie.
3: But I think she fits into the Tom Cruise thing very well because they both come from a, a kind of environment of just, like, you know? I see what you're saying, but, yeah. I,
2: I, mean, I mean, I think Crow isn't. Doing that, but I mean, I know what you're saying. You're no, to,
3: I'm not yeah. saying it's an intentional thing, but I think that's one of the reasons. If you ever why wanted me to so be with so. a woman?
2: I would do it. Like yeah. that, 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 like, and he. And like, that's another one of the things. It's
3: a tight close-up. She's tight delivering up on straight each of down the barrel of the lens.
2: Yeah, and like, there's this. I think this sort of like it's like there's so many parallel storylines about the same. Like it's like Jerry is realizing like this is the kind of like person I want to be with if I'm part of that whole sort of puffed up. Like it's just everything is so performative. Right. Yeah. And like she's very performative. Like you don't have any real sense of her personality. She's more just like impressive. Yeah. And like she's very proud of how impressive she is. She keeps saying that she's like brutally honest. Yeah. And it's like the most ridiculous thing you ever heard. She's obviously the like the opposite. Lying to herself entirely. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. Anyway, but it's 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 a you know, it's a good funny scene.
3: It's a funny scene, yeah. Um, this movie is I mean aside not just the fact that it sort of has this five act structure, but this is one of those films that really feels like a novel, like mm-hmm. watching it, I have such a hard time going like so he just sat down and wrote this screenplay It's
2: hard to imagine how and, he plotted
3: this out right, and not just because it's really good, and it's hard to believe that it's anyone un- can pull something usual, off yeah it's very unusual, it's got no clear hook to it, you right, know. Right. It's just a ride you sort of go on, and it goes on all these different little tangents and sort of got all these subplots, you know? Mm -hmm. It's all this one guy, but you're seeing his life through like four or five different prisms until it all finally comes together in the last moment. But it's like, you know, a romantic comedy where there are long stretches that aren't about the two of them, where they don't get together for a very long time in the film, you know? Well, and then they get together right away and get
2: married. Right, which is unbelievable. And when that happened, Joanna watched it, my girlfriend was just like, wait, wait, what, they just got married? And, like, the movie starts jumping through time much faster. But we're getting yes, ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We are jumping through time. Yeah. So there's that scene where it's his engagement party with all the athletes and they show this video of all his ex-girlfriends, including a young Lucy Lou. Yeah, I didn't recognize her. Uh, right? yeah, yeah, she's hard to, because it, where they're all just like, he can't be alone, he can't be alone, yeah. he can't be alone. Like, yeah. you know. Can't so, be alone. Love you, too. Hey, love you, too. Yeah. Um, and then he gets fired. Yeah. By the great Jay Moore. Playing Bob Sugar. What a name for a character. Good at naming characters. Bob Sugar, Dorothy Boyd, Jerry Maguire. These are good names. Rod Tidwell. Yeah. Ah, How do you feel about Jay Moore, Ben? Well, this he, is his, like, big, this uh, is his big role. I feel like yeah. he, he's already been on SNL at this point. Am I right in yeah, saying this? Yeah, he was
3: already fired from SNL at this point. He, and this is when everyone was like, maybe he's a movie star instead? Right,
2: he had done the two. Yeah, th- that's the thing. Hollywood was just like, come on, this guy's got something. There's like, something here. He's yeah. like wildly
1: he's, jerky in yeah, that way that yeah. they love. He's a great asshole. He's yeah. a great asshole. I mean, that's why he's- and he's good in this role at Fantastic being an in asshole. This movie. Yeah. yeah.
2: Have you ever seen on the DVD? I've watched every single extra on the <laughs> DVD. There's like an extended play of him doing the cell phone monologues. Jay Moore? He just did that for a half hour. Yeah. And it's just Denalog will come in, pass him a new cell phone. He'll be like, hey, baby, hi. And it's all improvised or he's just, like, random, you know, and they just shot that forever. Yeah. And then cut it in for this, like, big cell phone war that they have.
3: You do see watching this movie how, like, Sony execs, like, you know, people watching the dailies, the people on set could be like, this guy's fucking popping, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, in that movie, the guy who has, you know, it, because he's kind of playing a baby Tom Cruise in the movie, I mean, that's sort of his whole function in the film is that he's like a little a little mini Tom Cruise. Sure, absolutely. That's the
2: idea is he's some sort of like usurper.
3: Right, so you look at it and you go like, well, this guy's got a lot of charisma and he's pulling off this thing and he's holding his own against Tom Cruise in this, in this big film. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is like he's not a leading man even though he is, you know, like kind of a handsome guy and he's got a lot of charisma and he's funny and charming. Sure. He's charming in this way that's a little upsetting.
2: No, absolutely. And- yeah. When you don't even have to think about it, like, Jerry will later be like, that's Snake. And you're like, yeah, Yeah. there's something wrong with him. Like, he has no soul.
3: Yeah, I mean, the key is, the reason why he's so good at playing assholes is he doesn't play them like they're an asshole. Like, a lot of assholes, especially in comedies, the guy is clearly judging the character. He's like, yeah, I'm playing the asshole. Sure. And you feel like Jay Moore is just like, yeah, I mean, Bob Sugar wants to succeed. Right, yeah, exactly. He. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
3: You know, like, the guy's slippery, but it feels like you get what he's trying to do. He's just trying to, you know, get his, his foot in the ground, you know, planted. Yeah. And if he well, has to steal an SNL sketch from someone else, <laughs> he'll I, do so. Yeah. Right, I <laughs> think, it, I think. you know, it probably is not that far off from him.
2: That's from him. what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. yeah, the only movies that Cruise has made that were more successful than Jerry Maguire are the five Mission Impossible movies, except for three. And Top Gun. And, and War of the Worlds.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I also just want to mention, uh, I definitely noticed that Jay Moore hadn't had any work on his teeth yet.
2: Yeah, he's got
3: those little baby chiclet
2: teeth in this
1: movie. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway,
1: wait. uh, I I always- Oh, oh, no.
2: The Moore's, Jay Moore. uh, Wait, what was I going to say? The scene where they go to the restaurant and he fires him is great. That's what I was going to say. I love, it was following up on your point, uh, where he's just like- uh, you said more like you said less clients you said more, less money yeah
1: what are you expecting like, what are you th-
2: gonna have like yeah. he just can't even sympathize and then he's like have some sympathy for me I have to fire my mentor this yeah. sucks for me like it, with heartlessly
3: but it's also the movie is moving so fast at that point sure. right sure. and it's got music and it's got narration and you're mm-hmm. cutting to Lev Grossman or what's his name not Lev Gros- <laughs> Lev Grossman's fucking Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder <laughs> yeah, Dicky, Dicky Fox. <laughs> Dickie Fox yeah, yeah. you he's know you're mentor, like you're yeah. just fucking moving and shaking and it's like a music video and whatever mm-hmm. and then
2: the scene where Jay Moore goes so you're fired and then there's that, that cut to the water glass yeah like the like hold on the the water glass obviously jerry is jerry's like should i just throw this in his face like yeah. i mean like you know and it's not like the and sound drops like, out
3: but like all the sort of backing track like it just becomes the scene and then they're cutting to the sort of other people at the restaurant talking to people looking go. at him yeah
2: came here to fire you jerry yeah and this is happening you should say something but
3: the, but the movie just sort of slows down and it's yeah. like okay this life that he was on this right. constant like sort of speeding train is now, slowed down, and now Germagar has to look in the mirror and be like, Who the fuck am
2: I? Well, first, he has to go back to his office yeah. and try and you know salvage his clients, right? As he's being fired. <sighs> Unbelievable scene, it, crazy scene. You want know and this is, is the thing the movie is like, like all good movies, it's grabbing you by the hand and just sort of pulling you along. It's here, like, This is gonna happen now. A,
3: another thing with this movie, a reason why it's a great movie, mm. every single scene in this movie is
2: good. I agree. Like, every scene in There's this There's no movie, scene where you're, like, sort of looking at the watch. Like, no. Like, okay, I get it. This is this performs a perfunctory right. function, but, like, I'm not interested in this I mean, it's, scene.
3: it's well executed. It's beautifully shot. It's well edited. The performances are incredible, yep. top to bottom. But also, from a, a writing standpoint, every scene in this film has its own interesting dramatic tension. Yeah, man. There's some yeah, weird man. kind of energy going on each scene where you're kind of on the edge of your seat, you mm-hmm. know? And I feel like most of the movies that become- Infamous as sort of these like cable movies and these VHS movies that people would watch over and over and over again, like Shawshank. You know, there's this thing where it's like these scenes just have some sort of like some sort of pulse in them, scene by scene basis. If you catch it on TV, you're going to watch it to the end. Yeah, because there's no one scene where you go, ah, let me flip around and see what else is on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's every scene. This
2: movie is great, but he goes back to the office. He tries to, he co- starts calling his clients, and you it I mean, this is a beautifully edited action sequence, essentially, yeah. where he's like, you know, I can cut your rate to 7%, you know, and Jay Moore yeah. is on the other end being like, you can't leave, like, we're the big bus, you know, you, you can't, you know, he said I didn't like black, i Mr. Black People. <laughs> yeah. That thing where it's like, in the movie is immediately poking at, like, these are shrimpy white guys, that's something I wanted to say. Yeah. And it's true. In the engagement sequence earlier, the engagement party sequence, Mm -hmm. this is a movie where Tom Cruise allows himself to be small. Yes. He's very small in the movie, partly because, obviously, he's acting alongside athletes, like big people, but he lets himself be shrimpy. Yes. You think, like, that guy's 5'8", you know, or whatever. He's like, what is he, 5'6", 5'7"? Oh, he's my size, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he's 5'6", if not smaller. Uh,
3: And uh, it's great, because he obviously isn't
2: as worried about it, maybe because Cameron Crowe has convinced him not to be worried about it, maybe because of the athlete thing. But it just looks so good.
3: But I think it was also like I need to I need to tear you down so I can build you right, up. Right. And and you love Tom Cruise in this movie more than you've loved him ever before because you it sort of had sense. to take the blocks out. Yeah. But but yes, there is that thing of like the moment. Like, what are you talking about? I'm Mr. Black.
2: Well, you're like these shrimpy little guys, these yeah. shrimpy dorks in yeah. their like '90s sports jackets are, like, representing these, like, you know, a lot of, like, athletes who are African-American, like, a lot of athletes who are obviously a lot younger than them are in a different place in society, in the world, in their consciousness. But but also, it's, like, the fact, the mere fact that you're saying that is
3: proof that you're not. Of course, who the anyone fuck who says self-identifies that? <laughs> as Mister Black, I'm Mister Black people. Right? It's like, well, then you're categorizing and you're separating them. And you're thinking of them as other than yourself. <laughs> and, and then, and, of yeah. course,
2: Jay Moore is doing the opposite thing, where he's just being like, "Hey, yo, what's up?" You know, he's yeah. trying to be like, you know.
3: But but I find it interesting that Mister Black person line, Mister Black people line, is like that feels like there's this ring to that scene. I think he nails it from a performance standpoint. But there's a ring to that scene where I'm like this feels like something Tom Cruise would have said in 2007. (laughs) You know, like, he's never gotten in trouble racially, but it feels like one of those weird things he'd say once he was sort of, like, collapsing. Absolutely. As a movie star. I'll say, I've been watching uh, uh, O.J. Made in America. Okay. uh, The ESPN It's amazing. I've watched all five, yep. Um, And and I, like, watched an episode of that and then watched Jerry Maguire and then watched another episode of that and it's, like, cushioned in between. Yeah. And I think this film in its own way deals with the weird dichotomy between the the sports industry, the management of these teams, Mm -hmm. the management for the players, Mm -hmm. you know, these companies all being these old moneyed sort of rich white guys Uh or like new money kind of yuppie assholes. And it's all in service of these like, you know, young um, sort of like uh, just sort of gifted I mean, black men, you know, these men who are just handed this amazing ability and then work really hard and know they have like eight years. Sure. Yeah. You got to get your money fast,
2: because especially in a game like football, you know, obviously to work it, you'll be retiring in your early mid 30s. Right. And if you haven't banked all millions and millions of dollars, like, yeah. what are you going to do? Like, but, maybe i will work in TV. Maybe, you know, like, you know. But there's this thing in OJ
3: Made in America where it's like all these old white guys who they're talking to who are like Brentwood friends of OJ. Yeah. And it's like they wouldn't have looked at him before he became the Jews. And the second. No,
2: you know, I know what you're saying. It I fell know apart.
3: They were like, well, fuck him. He always was a problem. Sh- well,
2: right at the end. Right. right
3: yeah. Right I mean, and end. I'm not saying they shouldn't have turned against OJ Simpson. But the beauty of this I movie mean, is like right. this is one agent. Dealing oh, with we'll one player
2: okay. as a person, well, you know, that's, like he learns how to the just use him. To take, and we'll right. talk about it because, yeah. of course, the tension is that all right, well, He so stops he using has him this, as a commodity. He has this big phone call yeah. with Rod Tidwell, who is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. an Oscar winning performance. Right, and Rod is kind of like what it's the thing that's so prevalent in sports today, in all sports today, yeah. is like an athlete with a quote unquote attitude problem, which yeah. like can be a very coded phrase, but it can also just mean someone who you know maybe like. Doesn't show with a team in some way or another. And, like, yeah. Rod seems to just have a big, like, you know, chip on his shoulder about, like, oh, I wanted more money. Like, I don't have enough money. I'm really good at this. Like, and I think an agent's job, and that's the dynamic in this movie, is often, like, to kind of tell the guy, hey, like, stop yapping. Like, you just got to be quiet. You got to be nice. As Rod says, you have to tell him to dance. Yeah. You tell me to dance? Right. And, uh But, you know. but
3: there's this uh, dynamic of, like, uh, he's, and so he has this
2: long call with Jerry.
3: He's a good player. Yep. He may even be a great player. Right. He's definitively not a star player. No. no. Like, he's like a wide receiver. People don't know. like him. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. they dislike him, but no, they no, don't right. feel right. that sort of rush. And Jerry Maguire is in the business of trying to make people love athletes. Well, sure, because
2: that's the whole point of getting them endorsements right. and so on and so forth. He doesn't care if like, they win you know. games or not. You right. know
3: that He doesn't make money per game. He makes money for them renegotiating contracts. Yeah. And people are going to get a bigger contract if they sell merchandise, if they get people in the stadium. People get in the stadium because they see the players that they love. And Rod Tidwell isn't loved. You know? No, he is not. There's a line I love. He thinks
2: he should be, maybe, but you know,
3: yeah. Uh, Regina King, who is unbelievable Regina in this King, movie King, who well. should
2: have won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. I mean, really should have.
3: Yep. Watching this, no, I was absolutely. really taken aback. Absolutely. It is actually insane that neither Zellweger nor King were nominated. Well, Zellweger was campaign supporting, which is ludicrous.
2: Yeah. She should have been campaign lead. But she got but supporting- But she was a big, small, you know, not right. a big star yet, so they pushed her in supporting. She got supporting nominations at the Globes and the SAG Awards, I think. I'll look it up. She definitely, I think she got a SAG, but that's right at the start of the SAG Awards. Yeah. I mean, SAGs were weird.
3: I think she was nominated Best Supporting for the Globes and the SAG. Um, but yeah, Regina, Regina King is
2: phenomenal in this Fucking movie. Phenomenal She plays this movie. Rod's wife. And
3: also just a great actress that we wait, don't appreciate. we're not
2: enough. doing the Rod phone call with the show me the money. Oh, I don't so know if you've see, heard that line. Let's see the phone call. No, I mean, th- yes, I have. It's a good line.
3: Yeah. The thing I wanted to say, I mean, I'm skipping ahead because I don't remember which scene it comes in, but when one of the scenes where Regina King comes in to sort of renegotiate with Rod, mm-hmm. with her husband. And she says, like, I have a marketing degree, Jerry. My husband has a marketing degree. Mm-hmm. It's, like, never mentioned again, but the idea that, like, he, he understands how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows the kind of guy he needs to be. He knows how he should be positioned. And what he doesn't understand is how to become the guy that can do this. Renee and only he got sacked. She didn't get really? a Golden Globe. Crazy. Okay, so. She
2: didn't even get a screenplay nomination at the Golden Globes. That's That's just weird. I mean, this is like the most written movie of all time. The only reason this thing didn't win best screenplay at the Oscars is because it lost to Fargo. Like, that's the only reason it didn't win, because it lost to one of the best screenplays ever written. Like... Anyway, I mean, it, yeah, it, uh, well, I mean, and also, yes, it's a very, of course, florid, like flowery screenplay with lots and lots of lots yeah, of it's a big, writerly famous film. dialogue. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, remind, make sure we talk at the Oscars again at the end of this, cause I have, I have a thing to say, but okay. So on the phone call, he's going through all these people and then he They're lands all on rejecting him. There's the gymnast scene, which I really like. Very funny where she's scene crying, where she's crying and, and she's crying and
2: then goes like, whole, like and yeah. she goes,
3: Jerry, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello? Still Jerry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um and then you yeah Rod actually wants to talk to him because you know he's a like a B level star essentially right. like he wants to you know he he feels like he does deserves more attention. Rod
3: also likes having an audience. Rod's always performing. Sure. You know I mean it's like he's around his house. He's always it's got such an entourage. Scene. I mean he's got Ari all- Spears as his little brother, but there's always like people around Rod and he's always sort of put on a show for them as much as he is trying to push something. Incredible scene.
2: It's such a good scene. Show me the money.
3: Right. So it's like a. You know, you get the sense that while Bob Sugar is just peeling him off, going through call after call right. after call. But
2: Jerry can't let him go cuz he's like, "Well, I do at least have him on the phone. That's the like, thing. Like he hasn't rejected me." Yeah. And uh, He's
3: frustrated. He wants to get the I mean this talks about every scene has so like a, a couple different types of tension going it's on, so you know? Tense. There are dynamics, there are conflicts. And you're so watching the struggles. call lights
2: flicker out yeah. on his on his switch, you know, on, on his, his awesome
1: ass old school office
2: phone. <laughs> I swear to god. There's some there are some 90s computer monitors in this
1: movie, Ben. are uh, some fat computer oh, monitors. Oh, I know. I was watching and I was, pleased. You know it's the one You're I like I love. Ben like jerks off. To the yeah, 90s me too.
2: technology.
1: Yeah, the Hey, hey no, That's that's an outrageous statement, David. <laughs> all right. I'm a jerk enough. off. It's just I I
3: was watching them. We're going to hear Ben jerking off in the background of this episode after all the Foley work he's doing. What were um, you going to say? There's the one laptop they show where the screen, the actual mm-hmm. uh, display of the screen is like one-fourth of the actual
2: size yes. of the screen. I had a laptop whoa, whoa, where down, it has the down, big down, border. <laughs> <down>. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: I said, Ben, that the border, no, no, yeah. there's on, the plastic uh-huh. border. <laughs> right, right. We haven't right, even right. gotten
2: out of the first <laughs> half hour of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the big phone call war. Yeah. Jerry loses. He gets one client out of it, Rod Tidwell. And and he gives After him saying show me the money. He
3: gives him right. He says you gotta you gotta show me the money. That's what you gotta show
2: get. me the money.
3: And I like, love Black People. That great,
2: that great cut to like you know outside of the office. Yeah. Everyone's like what the fuck is he doing in there? You know, it's yeah. And it's like pathetic. And then he goes out into the office and announces he gets one more. You're forgetting. No, he doesn't get Kush till later. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry sorry, later. sorry, 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 sorry. Mm -mm. I guess I now I remember yes yes I apologize you should apologize
3: I'm very sorry
2: to our listeners I have
3: let you down once
2: again he goes out and he gives a speech I mean Cruz is incredible in this movie I kept like yelling at the screen like look at him look at him look at what he's doing here every time he goes like fine 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 like he's so great at like letting his emotions suddenly like you know unleash and then like hiding them again well, it's the just, thing where he's like, you know, I know what you think I'm going to do, which is
0: flip
3: out. And he. <laughs> it's not just that that he allowed Crow to make him look small in this way, but Empathetic, it also allows him to yeah. look bad. Like right. he just looks like he doesn't have it together. Sweaty and yeah. like, kind
2: of, yeah, uncollected. And every Tom Cruise movie previously has been about this guy's got it together. Sure. And if it's about how he doesn't have it together, it's because he may look perfect. Yeah. He may dress perfect, but inside, there's something bothering him. But yeah. you know, not outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> but this movie, like, kind of makes him look like shit he's embarrassing himself and so he leaves and because she's so moved by his plight and was so moved by his memo it goes. So Dorothy coming Boyd. We we forgot to mention there's that cute little meet cute they have at the airport where Dorothy's looking for uh, Lipnick,
3: and Lipnick is on the carousel. He's there. on the, carousel. He Give on the high fives. carousel.
2: So they've met. Yeah, so she's like, His I will go with so you. His arms are so funny he's, in this movie. He's, he's got, got the t-rex funniest arm.
3: little T Rex, chubby
2: <laughs> T Rex arm. <laughs> so she goes with him. Yeah, like she makes the foolish decision to like quit the company and yeah. go with him, and uh, and then and that's sort of the start of the movie. Yeah, Like 35 minutes in. Almost 40. Yeah. I mean, it's
3: it's amazing. And that's,
2: yeah. it's like, okay, first act done, but it's also kind of like first and second act though? like Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I need uh, a cigarette. He's starting his own. Uh, you don't smoke. No, uh, I mean, that's true. I've never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. Me neither. Yeah. I've only
3: smoked uh, fake ones on and camera. And don't start. I'm yeah. not i to. And to all our I listeners, don't start. Gonna. It's I mean, a terrible habit. You're hearing the, the raspy cigarette-burned mm-hmm. voice of producer Ben Hosley over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Eat his warning. Um uh they
2: uh start this sort of outlaw agency. That's just gonna be the two yeah, of them. Yeah, and, and but to to secure its future, he goes to try and get the support of Cushman. Cush. Cush, played by Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Looking pretty hot. Yeah. Is Sliders happening yet or is Sliders post? I believe this? not yet. I think Sliders is maybe. When does right he slide right into Sliders?
3: This? We slid into our TV's like nineteen ninety seven. Quinn
2: Mallory. I'd guess ninety seven. No. Ninety six? Ninety five. Sliders Ooh. has already happened. Oh wow. Uh so anyway. Uh, um and and Cushman
3: and, and his father's played by an uncredited Bo Bridges. Bo
2: Bridges so good. The great Bo Bridges. My, the always underused stronger Bo than Bridges. Oak. Yeah. So he Cushman, the Cushman dad is like, I'm gonna stay with you. Yeah. And shakes his hand and again Cruz, just that manic little like ha ha like yeah. he does. It's so good. I love it. But see, this is the one film,
3: we're talking shake about how the, the greatness of the modern Tom Cruise, uh, like the modern era of Tom Cruise films is that they acknowledge everything that we find weird about Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and use that to their advantage. Mm-hmm. And this is the first film to do that. To be like, he seems a little too together. Like right, something right. weird's going on. Right. And this all guy's scenes, almost
2: like an alien. Right, yeah, the yeah. scenes where
3: he's putting the moves on, it's like a little, he's putting a little too much spin
2: on the ball, right. you know? Well, and that's sort of the, the crazy plot line of the romance in this movie yeah which is that it's almost like it's like he's some sort of like gazelle that got wounded yeah and then Renee Zellweger who's kind of like a bit of a home buddy and is a single mother and like doesn't go out with guys much because she's a single mother yeah is kind of like oh this guy's so vulnerable and hot and charming and yeah. I'm so moved by his mission statement maybe I can actually like get with him because yeah. he's just so vulnerable he's really because there's that scene elope, early yeah. on where she's like you need to be alone. Alone,
3: yeah. alone, alone. Yeah. Uh, and let's not forget uh, Bonnie Hunt, the great Bonnie Hunt. She's so good. Plays Renee Zogger's sister. Laurel. Who, who hosts like a women's group. a divorce uh, group. A divorced women's group. One of the members of the group is, is Cameron, Cameron. Crowe's mother. Yeah, she's great. Who also, she's in the last two films. Is she? Is I think she's she at the dinner party and Say Anything and Pops singles. Up in Singles. She plays. She's like a good luck charm. I think she plays maybe the receptionist at the at the at the boob I don't clinic remember or the something movie like signals. that. Oh yeah, it's a it's a film from 1991. <laughs> it's literally been Direct flushed out of my brain. Yeah, camera Uh <laughs> Yeah, do camera Crow? 92. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um. um
2: uh. Anyway, but he 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 gets the Cushman contract. Yes. And so he goes to yeah he goes to the house. He's like, we got Cushman. We're okay. And Bo Bridges is
3: like, I said to myself, if he it, shows, he like, comes shows, in we'll stay and he's got him. the fire and he's like, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. We're sticking with you. You don't have to give us the cell. We're sticking with you. And he like breaks down and he's like, "I said if you showed up, if you flew
2: out here, we'd stick with you." Right. And it's like, okay, he's got two. But yeah, now like the
3: two friends, one, two. He's got two friends. Two are they two friends? Well, that's the question.
2: Um. But so then, yeah. But now the movie's like, hey, we actually have another lead character. This Dorothy Boyd. Let's cut over to her. Yeah. Let's do this. She's got a sister. She's got a divorced women's group. She's hunting. She's she's, Bonnie hunting. She's Bonnie hunting. She's got a little little Ray. Yeah. And her sister's like, why have you quit your job to, like, throw in with this guy? Like, you need a health care plan. You have a son. And
3: she's like, I just want to be inspired. She's
2: so fucking good. I'm the oldest 26-year-old in the world. She, Renee nails all this stuff. This is the secret with Cameron Crowe. Maybe not. His writing's gotten bad. But I do feel like the wrong actor with these with these monologues, it's a disaster. Yeah. But but it is. I mean, he, he made movie stars. I mean, it was amazing.
3: He both would crystallize stars, mm-hmm. you know? Uh and and make them. He'd create them and he'd deconstruct them and build them up even bigger than they were before. Sure. Um, God, she's fucking good in this movie. What was I about to say? Uh,
2: I don't I'm the know. oldest twenty six year old in the I'm world. The oldest twenty six year old in the world. Yeah, I've been um, I've had three lovers in four years. And then Bonnie Hunt goes, it's mm, not, not that bad. bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all, like, preferable to all of them was, uh, like, a nice warm bath or whatever.
3: Oh, we did forget to mention that Eric Stoltz is at uh, the, the party, the yeah. engagement party.
2: Everybody loves you.
3: Three for three. What's the line? At it's everybody point. loves you. Yeah.
2: Makes me, I can't remember the, it drives me crazy, something like that. He has, uh, like, a one-liner. Yeah.
3: Oh, this was the story I was going to tell. This is what I was going to say. I remember reading some interview with Renee Zellweger and talking about how she got that part because she had done little she was bits in Texas and Chain
2: Massacre, Chainsaw the, Massacre, 3 The Next or Generation, four. The yeah, New Beginning. Yeah.
3: It's the, the one, one with McConaughey, right? Yeah. And she had like you know a non-speaking role in Days of Confused. I mean, she was like a Texas girl, and she was doing some of the local Texas films. Yeah, she's in A Second
2: of Reality, but she's in Love in a Forty Five. She's in Empire Records, right? Yeah, that yeah. was her biggest thing up until yeah. now. Yeah. yeah,
3: but this was definitely like to be the second lead in a Tom Cruise movie was like a huge jump up. Oh, you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they did the final screen test. She went in. She did it with Tom Cruise. She read the lines. And she felt like she did well. And she mm-hmm. walked out. And she remembered that her agent said to her, so the thing they're concerned about, just so you know, not to get in your head about, but the thing they're concerned about is if there's enough sexual chemistry between you and Tom. Uh-huh. They think you're great on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but they think, sir. for some weird reason, you're not having sexual chemistry with Tom Cruise. You, a woman, are not connecting with Tom Cruise, a man. Uh, carry on. Uh, and she walked out, and that, like, rang in her head. And the audition had ended. She had left the room, and she ran back into the room and just, like, pounced on Tom Cruise. Like, the audition uh-huh. ended. I did not know this And story. she ran back in and just fucking jumped into his arms and started making out with him. Mm. Okay. And then, like, was like, I just wanted to show you that we had chemistry together. Uh-huh. And then walked out, and they were like, that's our star. Renee. And there is that feeling of, like, um... There is a ferocity to this performance. Not that it's an aggressive performance, but there's- No, because she's somewhat of a downtrodden character, at least on paper. But there is a ferocity of, this is my chance, Renee sure. Zellweger, the actress, to yeah, show yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. what I got. And Dorothy She's attacking Boyd. it, right, which maps onto Dorothy Boyd, well, mm-hmm. which is like, this is my shot to get my life together. And it's nice.
2: It's nice is a nice, nice, a nice movie. movie. So, but then, you know, we've got a big sequence at the NFL draft yeah. where Jerry realizes that he does not have Kush. No. Sugar has Kush. Sugar has Kush. Because oh. Sugar intimidated them into thinking like, ah, you know, the teams aren't going to deal with Jerry. You got to deal with me or whatever happened. Yeah. He's like, if you want to get on the team, Jerry's not the guy for you. Jerry walks Rod through. Uh, the lobby, and introduces him to people, and that's nice, like, that's a fun little- Because Rod's like, why are not you fucking spending time with me? And he's like, here's my time on you. Rod gets it. I mean, Rod does say, like, you know, your gold meal ticket, you know, he knows that Kush is the big, the big product.
3: But Jerry's also sort of going like, hey, I'm thinking big picture. I know people like you when they meet you, sure, so I'm yeah. gonna have you press the flesh and impress people, because you're charismatic. Yeah. You're not connecting with the audience, but these people might like you if yep. they get you one-on-one. So a long montage of them going around, and it works. It feels like it works. It feels like people are getting into huh. And he goes back to the hotel room. Kush is just sitting there. He's got a Team Kush hat on. He's, he's fucking playing, playing noodling Kush on lash. the guitar. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there, he's got a mountain of Reebok sneakers, and a guy comes off, drops off room service. And he goes, hey, what size are you? He goes, seven and a half. He goes, well, why don't you take a couple at the door? He says 12 and a half, which- Okay, I'm, I he, said seven and a half because that's my shoes. Because I'm Tom, just, a Tom Cruise-sized person.
2: When I hear that, I'm just like- 12 and a half. That's a big, big foot. foot. Yeah, jeez. He, t- he has, big? there are four 12 and a half. Yeah, you know? How big is your foot?
3: 10 and a half. I have small feet. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. you're a very tall man. I am. I have small feet for my height. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although O'Connell's big, right? I think so. I guess 12 and a half if you're in the world of professional athletes. Yeah, but it's a bellhop who takes the fucking.
2: It's a bellhop. It's surprising damn it. the bellhop has. You know, feet my that brother, big. like, kind of knows Jerry O'Connell. Really? He'll let him tell you the story sometimes. It's. He broke to, J- you let him tell the truth. We should have Joey on as a guest sometime. Oh, 100%. Yeah. This should have been a good one. He's seen this one a lot, but 100% we'll have Joey. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. yeah. He's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's got some, because you know, Jerry O'Connell's done a lot of Broadway plays. It's funny. I know. And, yeah. and your brother Joey.
3: Works, in, works yeah. in theater.
2: It's just, Jerry O'Connell's such a funny creature. <laughs> you on. know? Yeah. Like, the way he keeps reinventing himself is so strange. Yeah, they get, like still every other year they give him a pilot, and he's got that nice marriage to Rebecca Romijn that's been f- like 15, 20 years now. Like, yeah, I think like ten. No, I think I think it's longer. She was with Stamos when she did X
3: Men. She was still yeah, Rebecca Romijn right. I'm Stamos I'm at off. that point. I'm off on that. Yeah, I think it's been like ten because I think she made it through the first three X Men with a Stamos attached. Mm. She used to be my number one when I was like ten. I mean X Men. The first X Men. What movie a was like shocking
2: pick! What an unconventional pick! Rebecca Romain? I was the so a in- beautiful blonde model. I was so into, well cuz I'm saying it's not not my type anymore. Oh wow, congratulations.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh I <laughs> But um I when I was 10 I just like only wanted fucking X-Men stuff, you know? I just was like who's my favorite hottie? I don't know, someone from the X-Men. Maybe I like Famke Janssen more than Rebecca Romain.
2: <laughs> Famke Janssen's great. Rebecca Romain is great. My crushes were just Renee X-Men at that Selwiger is great. Yes. Okay. In- Jerry McGuire. So he
3: goes back up. He there's a phone call. He goes, let me pick it up. Yeah, he talks and to sugar. sugar on- and he goes, is McGuire Magu- in the
2: room? Sniff if he's in the room. He does
3: a hard snap. And it's this amazing and, and fucking movie Cruise star has close this, up. Like
2: rictus grin on his face. Yeah, he's this losing like, his grimace. mind. Oh, he's like sweating bullets. He's like, yeah, you're with the big boys now. You don't worry about McGuire. Like you know, like this is you need to be with me, Kush. You're gonna play. You know, yeah. it's it's so gross.
3: Moore is so good. And he just stands there in silence, yeah. and then he asks gritting
2: his teeth. Bow bridges about it all. Well, know. he
3: it, my favorite line, not my favorite line in the movie that it's has movie five of, of, of the most famous lines. lines of no, but a line I really like, and especially line reading. He's sitting there with the gritted teeth. Sugar hangs up, and then McGuire just goes, uh, "We have no comment at this time," to make it look like yeah, it was I just some was press guy. Yeah, and then he goes, "You know what? Why don't we just sign something right now?"
2: Right, you were in the lobby with the black fella. Bo Bridges, man, quietly villainous performance. Bo Bridges, though, I remember if you watch the director's con- the, the director and cast commentary, when Bo Bridges says with the black fella, Cuba Gooding Jr. bristles like yeah. you can. He's like easy, like yeah. you know, he's yeah. mad about it.
3: He's very good, at quietly villainous in uh, The Descendants too. That's a good um, flavor of Bo.
2: Yeah, he's he's a skinnier Bo. I forgot that Bo was kind of skinny. Well, especially when he started out, Bo's pretty husky now. Yeah, he's a husky dude. Have now. you ever
3: seen the Landlord, the Hal Ashby movie?
2: I've never seen the Landlord, the Hal Ashby movie. Uh, it's one of my ten favorite films
3: of all time. Well, good for you. Thank you, humble brag. But uh, Bo Bridges is very skinny in that, and he's like really fucking. That's a long time ago. He's like a handsome dude. You're yeah. like, oh, Bo, Bo. oh, I'd, 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 I i would i would i do not know. Because now you <laughs> go like, well, Bo and Jeff. You know, it's
2: like, sure, right. One of those guys is a little better than the other guy. Yeah, they're both pretty old at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so he loses Cush. Yeah. And then he loses Avery, his fiancee, shortly after when she's trying to puff him up and says, You are not a loser. <laughs> Who said anything about loser? Yeah. You know, and she punches him. You know what I He I'm breaks up about? with her.
3: She goes, No one breaks up with me. Right, and she destroys punches him. Punches him in the
2: face. Yeah, good for Avery. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I'm on Avery's side in that scene. Okay. Yeah. She punch him. No one breaks up with Avery, uh, Bishop. Yeah, I mean
3: neither of us have done it, right? No, ben, no, Ben. Have, have not. you ever broken up with Avery Bishop?
1: Uh, which Avery Bishop? <laughs>
3: <laughs> the character played by Kelly Preston in the film Jerry McGuire? No, I have not. Okay.
2: <laughs> so then it's like, okay, okay. I thought that we'd already hit the second act, the yeah. sort of the low, but uh, no, nope. no, no. Now we're there. Yep. And so he goes to see Dorothy, and Darth, and immediately like reveals, like ah, I broke up with Avery, yeah. and he's drunk out of his mind.
3: Got a wound on the eye, and and she goes in the kitchen with Bonnie Hunt. And
2: Bonnie like, Hunt knows what's up. She's like, dude, this guy is, he'll he's desperate. He yeah. just needs to be with somebody. And Zellweger's he's, like,
3: no, 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 no.
2: And, but Zellweger's also like. Into him, wants it to be the case. Into kid. him, and also just like, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I want to, maybe I want to be with this guy. Yeah, like, this some... guy
3: inspired me for a second there. Yeah, I just want someone who inspires me. And then there's a moment I love. Crow is so good at these little behavioral things, and once again, they become his undoing because he starts trying to like engineer Make whole them. About them yeah. Right, but there's the moment where she's got the plate of pasta, and they turn around at the same moment, and it goes straight into Zoegger's Eger's chest. chest yeah. And Bonnie Hunt just very calmly says, okay, lean, lean forward lean, forward, lean forward, lean down, and she's like making Peels sure it out, yeah, right. And she's that like, It's incredible, it's in the one area. Your shirt. yeah, right. <laughs> It's just these messy behavioral scenes that just have like each scene has like a sort of powder keg to it. You and know, yet, just like, like
2: these people are, uh, they care about each other. Like you know, yeah. these people have some sort of the a, a intimacy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Be it sisterly, be it, you yeah. know romantic, whatever. Right. So Maguire- while this
3: is happening, what's Jerry doing? Oh my god. Okay. What's he doing? Ray sneaks out of the bed. Yeah, little Ray. Little Ray, Ray goes tippy 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 on his tiptoes. That's he sneaks shot- out quiet like a mouse.
2: That shot where he, um, you see his head when he leaves the couch and you just sort of see his head go by. It's just the top of his head. It is adorable. (laughs) He's got the funniest head. (laughs) He's got a funny head, but he chats to Jerry and you can see that Jerry, and this is of course the linchpin of the whole movie. Yeah. He's like talking about his dead dad to him. Yeah. He's like, when my dad died and you know, like he's like, when my dad retired, like he worked for blah for 20 years and he, uh, he said, I wish they'd give me a more comfortable chair. You know, and then he died, and then Ray starts talking about his dead father. He doesn't talk to him like he's a kid, right? But he's actually bearing his soul to him, right? Right. And and Ray is, tries to do the same, and Jerry's like, "I want to talk about my dad." And he's like, "No, let's go to the zoo." <laughs> is the <laughs> is the car scene before or after this? The human head weighs five pounds. The car scene is after. Okay. No, it's before it's because after the when airport, he comes down, he gives him a to, ride from the airport. When he comes yeah. down to say hi to right, right Jerry knows, yeah. on the couch, he said he, he goes back to the human head weighs eight pounds. But there's he, did you know my neighbor has three rabbits? That's the
3: best <laughs> fucking joke. I love that so much. I laugh so hard it's every so time. So funny. Every time that line takes me by surprise because they've established this clear dynamic where it's like they're going to compete with facts. And Ray's got these real kindergarten facts. And Jerry Maguire has, like, sports stats, right? And then he just goes with something that no one could know. But the film acknowledges that it's funny and Cruz, like, loses it. And he's
2: just like, I can't compete with that. And his
3: (laughs) laugh is so genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't wanna say like I don't think he's capable of that as an actor.
2: No, he is capable. But of
3: but, but I also feel like it feels sort of like a take where he maybe lost it at Libniki.
2: Yeah, maybe. Where he right, genuinely right, right. was just, maybe so by was Lipnicki. just Lipnicki. saying random shit. I have no right. idea. Or maybe it was just Crow said, now say this, and he said it, and it yeah. just was real funny coming out of his little but mouth. If, it feels like a real genuine laugh, and Lipniki laughs too. Like they right, all are like right. Libnikki knows it's what he was fucking... fucking doing. He knows that's a fact that that Maguire couldn't know. So you know, on and on things go. Because the thing is, the linchpin of the relationship is is uh, Tom Cruise and Ray is is Jerry and Ray. Well, is, is that's the line I Inf love. Uh, I got a great guy. Well, that's much later in the movie. He right? loves my kid, and he really likes me a lot. He sure does he like. Sure me does a lot. like me a lot. Yeah. Um, and so as their agency continues, their agency being just Rod Tidwell. Right. You know, <laughs> the Rod like, Tidwell agency. Right. Uh and, RTA. and Jerry is trying to like figure out how to represent him right and yeah. how to like make him famous essentially. He gets like a crappy contract offer from his team, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm and they're like okay we'll just play out and be a free agent you can get a better offer if you do well this season you know it's like literally that's that's it's, something happens all the time to this day but it's scary they,
3: he they could not the injured. Yeah.
2: he's older at this point right. you know yeah. the I'm, idea is he's in the middle of his career
3: he's not old but he's 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 probably maybe in his past late 20s hump, yeah. Yeah, right yeah, exactly. and if it was going to happen it would have happened by now so the numbers might only start shrinking He's got a bunch of kids. He's got a lot of family. who He seems to be supporting. He's got two kids. He's got two kids. He's got two kids. He's got a third on the way. No, no, he's got one kid
2: and another on. the Oh,
3: okay, way. sorry, but he's got he's got a lot of family members. Like he's his got this kid
2: played by Jeremy Suarez Tyson, by the way, is adorable. Who incredible. does the uh, the big man is back?
3: Yeah, ah! he's great. I but love they're him. the things like you know he's got his brothers around with him all the time. I mean, it's always it's a full house. and GP,
2: you're militant, but I love yeah. you. Got nothing but love for you.
3: And and his uh, uh, is he the one? I could quote this
2: whole movie. The older one's the one who lost the foot. The older one's the one who lost the foot, but you don't see him except for the one scene where he's like in his room by the computer, and there's yeah. like a leak. There's like there's like uh, water damage on the yeah. walls. And he's got a Janet Jackson poster, yeah, which I think is a reference to the fact that Janet Jackson almost played the Regina King
3: part. Yes, yeah, was
2: originally cast. Yeah, uh,
3: and then I think dropped out to, for music stuff, and then they Maybe. cast uh, Regina yeah. King in the Great. best
2: performance of all time. Great call. Yeah, Regina King basically looks the same these days. It's, it's incre- kind of crazy. She has aged beautifully, and she's—it's so good. I mean, I watch—I I don't know if you guys watch American Crime, but she's amazing on that show on ABC. Won an Emmy for that, right? She did, which was just like,
3: yeah, about time someone gives her a reward for something. She's been doing such solid work for like fucking twenty-five years.
2: She's so good in um, uh, fuck, uh, Ray. Which is not a great movie or anything, but she's to me the sort of standout of it.
3: I agree. Another film in which the person who played her husband won the Oscar, and she arguably was doing the tougher job, sure, the heavy lifting, yeah. you know, to make the the performance really sing. I think Cuba deserved his Oscar, but yeah. Here is the thing: I to uh, on one hand, I think Cuba deserved his Oscar. On the other hand, it's probably my least favorite of like the eight main performances in the film. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think And it's I don't mean as any slight as him. I yeah, think but he's I, incredible on in this movie. I think Cruz is better. I think Zellweger's better. I, I think King is better. They're all I think Nicky's better. No. Yeah, it's not I'm not I'm not uh, you know, um flipping my nose at thumbing my nose rather at Gooding. I just think the film is so loaded with incredible performances and he has the
2: showiest character. He is a showy character. I don't disagree with you. I just think he also nails the quiet moments, which is why it's to me top shelf. Like the yeah. scenes where Oh, that scene where he's watching the wedding tape, yeah, and you just see his face like like he's like got a big grin on his face because he's happy for. Uh, we'll get to it in a second, and you just see his face like just shift, not even fall, and he realizes like, oh, they have no idea what they're doing going into this. Like they don't know why they got married.
3: Yeah, you didn't have the talk, did you? I mean, no, then this, he says it, but we already it. know yeah. it.
2: Yeah, he does that. He does great stuff like that throughout the movie.
3: I'll just say this, I guess. I If you go, okay, in a fair world, the four leads of this film would have been nominated as Cruz Lead, Zellweger, Lead, King, Supporting, Gooding, Supporting. Of mm-hmm. those four— And Hunt would have been nominated for Supporting, too.
2: Yeah. And not one, but she would have been
3: nominated. Of those four, Gooding's my and least favorite. And Vicky would be nominated for Supporting. Yeah. Of those four, Gooding would be my least I don't get favorite. it. He's great.
2: I it think he's great, but the, the other ones least are greater. Favorite. Whatever. I don't know.
3: Regina King, I just think, should have won for this.
2: Probably. Whatever. She didn't. Yeah, I but know. She wouldn't have been in competition with him anyway.
3: Yeah. Anyway, moving on. He's talking to Ray. They have a great conversation. Right. He's and- like, my mom's coming back out. He's like, i slip back. I'll <laughs> see you later. Ray slips <laughs> you out. You said fuck. Yeah. Don't so- worry. I won't, though. You said fuck. I but it, he looks genuinely astonished. And there's this thing; he they're shooting top. him from like three quarters, mm-hmm. and he's like sitting his sideways. His head is like on leaning the against the couch, but yeah. it looks like the couch is eating him. <laughs> yeah, because he's small. He's like a rag doll. He's like a ventriloquist his feet dummy. His don't reach and his body's the whole
2: <laughs> They don't cover the whole couch cushion
3: because he's a little guy. <laughs> um, and then Renzo comes back out. She's changed into a different shirt.
2: Yeah, but then, and he gives a drunken speech, but he's got to go right away. He's got a he, fire poker. Yeah, he's, he realizes I how drunk am he is. Drunk. Yeah. But he does make out with her and grab her boob. She calls him boss. He says he feels like Clarence Thomas, which is a big laugh to this day. Yeah. Just to show you how much Clarence Thomas's alleged sexual harassment has lingered in the culture.
3: I just love. <laughs> now
2: it. I feel like Clarence Thomas.
3: Yeah. I love the, uh, the sleaziness of he goes in for the kiss immediately. Immediately with grabs the, hand on the, boob. the boob. He has the boob hand. Before the lip mouth. They're simultaneous, and I also think... It's, I, mean, I mean, he's me age 15. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, this really could be a sort of, like, Greedo shot first kind of thing where you go, like, <laughs> where, he, uh, yeah, the what, lips what, or what the boobs What's the, boob, what was, what was first, the right, first contact. Yeah. But the thing I love about it is... It's Sorry not even,
2: about the hand. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> but, but, but when he says it, they, he does the gesture because it's not even just, like, he places a palm he's on the breast. grabbing it. He's got a grab... It's like a claw hand, and he just, like, like he wants to steal the boob. Like, he wants to reach the boob and put it in his pocket.
2: But that's what I like. Like, the movie could so easily be about him being a total jerk. Yes. But you get that he's vulnerable. She knows he's vulnerable. He and immediately... they know that they yeah. like each other yeah. in some form or another. But you know, they
3: know like, they... At this point, they're like, probably not a good idea, right? Even if we like each other, even if we want to do this, it probably is not...
2: And then the next Smart. day, she goes in the office, and she's like, alone, alone, alone. Yeah. You know, you just need to be alone. And he's like, do you want to go to dinner? And she's like, I know a great place. Okay,
1: yeah. now I know you guys like this movie, <laughs> uh-huh. and you like these characters. Well, yep. That is kind of gross, that scene a little bit, right? Nope. I mean, okay, we're <laughs> fine. Well, no, fine. Raise your objection, though. It's good. Yeah, I'd love to hear your argument. I mean, he is her boss. Correct. And, and that... The way that that plays out is he's drunk, and I don't know, it's a little gross. I'm just saying. That's all. Uh, The drunk scene or the scene afterwards? The drunk scene. Oh,
3: yeah, 100%. Oh, no, that scene's supposed to be gross. Oh, that scene's very gross. Yeah, it's another low point. But I'm saying it's
1: like a little harassy, like sexual that's why he says he feels like Clarence Thomas. 100%. No, I know, but I'm saying it's like we're also supposed to be like, oh, that Tom Cruise and- Oh, Whoa, see, what a I don't, That's not so, what this
2: movie is. Yeah. This movie isn't about, like, oh, that. It's like, no, This is a, these are things that happen to people. I think the thesis of this movie is Tom Cruise shouldn't be this
3: Tom cruise mm-hmm. Like, he grabs the boob because he thinks he's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. He says you complete me at the end of the movie because he's not trying to be Tom Cruise anymore. He's just, to quote another film, a guy standing in front of a girl telling her that he loves her. Right. To paraphrase another movie, I switched the genders.
2: They go to dinner. They go to dinner. Uh, she's wearing a dress. She looks great. That's not a dress. That's an Audrey Hepburn movie.
3: Yeah, another amazing line.
2: Todd Luizo plays. The nanny slash uh, child technician slash au pair.
3: Another amazing actor. Another amazing performance.
2: Great great little like three scene performance. Yeah. Who is obsessed with jazz. Yeah. And clearly at least uh, held a torch for Dorothy. I think on that he never acted upon. Maybe or maybe he dated her briefly and it didn't work out. Maybe he's one of the three lovers who was not as good as a bath.
3: I, I smell a strong unrequited
2: vibe. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah.
3: But he's kind of open about it where he's like, treat her right, you know? Yeah. Um, he gives Jerry Maguire a, a mixtape, a cassette of mm-hmm. uh, jazz, jazz, of music? Coltrane and yeah. and
2: Davis, yeah. in Stockholm in nineteen sixty three before their culture was ruined by a okay. thousand bar rooms and like whatever. Yeah.
3: Now here is a question. He goes, "Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to give me."
2: Right, right, because he thinks he's reaching for a condom. That was my question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it, he's so, like, so that's but the if you are going to. He's like, you know, he's like, uh, uh, you know, if you are going to spend that, I just want to give you and and. Jerry goes like, oh God, don't, you know, like he obviously thinks he's going to produce some sort of prophylactic.
3: Have you ever had someone give you a condom without asking for it?
2: Uh, I don't think That's so. That's the weird I can't part of that joke is. Like, right, uh, okay. It's a little, it's, a little, it's a little goofy. It's a little bit of a reef. But then the jazz tape makes up for it. It's great. And then of course they listen to the music when they have sex and, They're like, They're and Jerry's fu- like, "No, what is this music? Yeah.
3: It's great. Uh, there's the amazing scene. Um, My reaction to everything in this movie is is great. Yeah. That's how I react. It is great. Um, There's the. Oh, God. When he brings her back home, and then. I mean, is there anything we need to cover in the date itself?
2: No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, there's the mariachi band be- that plays next to. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's very funny. I do love there's that. lots of great yeah. stuff. I mean, you know. um, There's the scene where they're making out, and he, he breaks well, that's her That's what bra I wanted stra- to get to, I mean, yeah. her dress strap. Yeah. And ties it back together. That, I mean, God, oh, fuck. Hard Just, to make it is hard to sometimes to make crews have chemistry with like sometimes he doesn't, you know like Kelly McGillis or you know like some of his female co stars. Yeah, they he doesn't. Oh, work you mean, with Top him.
3: Gun that movie starring Tom two Cruise people who Johnny don't McGillis? like the other gender. Sure.
2: Um, no, wait a second. Relax, relax. I don't want to get go down that road. That's I am not into that. Uh I the thing I think
3: is so amazing about the dress strap moment is that it's the sexiest uh mm-hmm. depiction of someone putting on clothes I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a good it's a good putting on clothes. Like he he hits the thing by accident and then it's like, oh you watch it and you go like, Oh, is he gonna fucking undress her on the porch? Like is he gonna, you know, is he gonna take out the boob hand again? And it's like, no, in the most seductive way possible. He makes her more clothed. He puts it back together. Right. So this is him. He's learning slowly.
2: Well, no, it's, I think, more like he's a little more collected. This is him being. Sexy Jerry Maguire, again, who's probably, you know, probably a bit of a ladies' man. Yeah. You know, he's sort of got, he's got a little bit of the magic back. Not to mention that black book is torched, so he can't go back to the old chestnuts. There's also the scene where, can't like, play the hits the, during the sex scene where she opens the door and he's kind of standing there, like, looking like a, you know, sexy Tom Cruise, and she just closes Immediately the door.
3: slams it and then waits a moment and then opens uh, up again and he's, and he's, and he's laughing like <laughs> and he's like, I did the fucking, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, Tom Cruise, yeah. I'm going to do the Tom Cruise thing. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I've always said, and I'll say it a thousand times, I like movies where characters laugh at each other. Yes. Where characters we do funny about things before. in the universe of the movie, and the movie acknowledges that that's funny. I hate movies where characters do something funny, and everyone else goes, what? And the audience is supposed to laugh, and everyone else is just, like, astonished. And it's like, think about how many times you laugh uncomfortably at something you shouldn't laugh at. Yeah. Things are funny.
2: The thing that happens, though, mm-hmm. is Dorothy quickly, they, they, they start dating. Oh, God, no, there's the, the breakfast scene. Oh my god. Where he overhears her being like, I love how vulnerable this guy is, you know, I love like And Bonnie Hunt's like slow down, slow down, yeah, slow down, yeah. slow down. Yeah. And, and and like, you know, she calls him a bottom feeder or like yeah. at the bottom of the rung and Cruz you know, Jerry hears it all.
3: Right, and then she goes like, "I don't care. I love him." The yeah, difference yeah, with yeah. this guy is, I love him. I'm yeah. in mean, love it's with him. And she's like, "Don't say that. Don't monologue. say that. Don't say that." And Jerry's listening to the whole thing, and then, and then Ray comes Ray up. Him. He's like, hey,
2: Jerry. Yeah. And he just, I love this scene's perfect. Like any other Hollywood movie would play that scene for drama or for awkwardness or whatever. Yeah. And Jerry's just like, "We bottom feeders start with breakfast. Like start with cereal before we get our coffee."
3: But there's even the great they moment. They eat apple before Hunt and Zelliger start talking, where they're just futzing with the coffee machine. Mm-hmm. And it's that moment of, like, are we going to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, where they're just like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, like, mm-hmm. we're, are we, are we going to have the conversation? Because I know right. what's going on. Do you, I know you don't want to hear what I have to
2: say. Yeah. Um. So now they're now they're dating. They're dating, but then they quickly... Dorothy's like, I this isn't working. I don't make any money. Like, you can't do this. And I don't want to be a burden on Diego. you. I have health insurance. I got to take care of my kid. She, like, is, takes another job. She's going to move. And... Bonnie Hunt supports this a hundred percent. She's like, "Good, great. he's still very vulnerable. You guys don't know what you're doing." And she's about to move. Mm-hmm. She's getting in the U-Haul. Yep. And what does Jerry do before he talks to Bonnie? I mean, before he talks to Dorothy, he talks to Ray in the car. Yeah. He's trying to be like, "Don't worry, guy. I'll see you all the time." And he just says, "Do you remember what he says?" I don't remember. What he says. Go ahead and go, little little Nicky It's Ray. so great. Can, great. I, can I say
3: something? This great. Listeners of our podcast, if you wouldn't mind just tweeting at Jaleb Lipnicki, great job. <laughs> just tweet great job at him. We're not he harassing did a great job. him. He
2: did a great job. Just tweet,
3: just tweet, you did a great job. You did a great at job. At Jaleb Lipnicki on Twitter, you did a great job.
0: Right.
2: Hashtag the two friends. Hashtag the two friends. Include it there. You did a great job. Hashtag. The two friends. I just think it's important that Jerry talks to Ray first because the movie never lets go of that idea that it's like Jerry loves the kid so much. Loves the kid. And like loves the adoration, but also like when when Ray gives him the little hug before they go on the date and Dorothy's freaking out and she's like, he clearly needs like a, you know, he's been missing like a dad present.
3: And no one else has worked like that, you know? cuz the thing by hunt says is like do you want like you know ray seeing some man in the house who he's going to have to say goodbye to or you know no
2: right right and it's like i mean yeah yeah it's great he's not he's not going anywhere it's more just that laurel thinks like yeah. this isn't you know he doesn't love you he loves the kid like right which yeah. she's kind of right about because then he's like what if, what if
3: you don't go what if we just get married yeah and because that's a way to solve this problem right, right. And she's like, don't just say that if unless you, d- you mean it. Unless you mean it. Oh, boy. It's he, so heartbreakingly good. He and he lowers like, her, her sunglasses, sunglasses down. and the answer is in her eyes.
2: <laughs> We're so goofy. We're so goofy.
1: We're don't worry, we'll be
3: mean movie. to later. Cameron Crow movie. Will we? I don't know. <laughs> I think we. Will. I love Crow. I just. I feel like I. Oh God, it's like it's like a warm bath. I keep on using the same analogy, but it's like it's like a warm Lights bath. Some,
2: light some candles. Yeah,
3: you mm-hmm. light some candles. You drink some hot cocoa while you're in the bath. Sure. You know, some bathtub cocoa. Uh,
2: yeah, sure. Yeah,
3: you play a Springsteen
2: album. Play Secret Garden by Springsteen. Yeah. which is a song written for this movie and it it's yeah. great. The one that's like, um. should
1: let you in her house.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then we start just jumping through time. This yeah, is the thing the movie really picks because it's supposed to be set over an entire NFL season. In the middle, like yeah. that starts in the middle. Yeah. And th- it ends at the end of the NFL season. I, lo- I love it. I mean, this is storytelling risks. You know, seriously.
3: But this is this is why, like, good. I dropped my phone. You were looking because no, okay. a, a drop happened. It was my phone. I dropped my phone. Sure. Because uh, I'm about to say something dramatic, and I, I don't want to drop the mic because they're bands and they're expensive. Uh huh. Um, a thing I love about this movie is talking about this thing. I have every scene is interesting, is engaging, is entertaining. Yes. Is insightful in this movie. This movie skips over, like, the scenes that you don't need to see. It's not just that every scene he has in the film, he invests a couple different layers onto them, so you can't really wrap your fingers around the scenes. There's some weird sort of elements you got to kind of lean in to figure out. But it also is like, you don't need to see them fucking planning the wedding. Who
2: gives a shit? No, they get married in her backyard. Yeah. Rod sings, uh, what's going on? By uh, I, I Marvin Gaye. S- I just say this all the time, but I
3: get so frustrated when I see movies that feel like they have this very didactic approach of like what a movie needs to be.
2: Sure, and how it needs to lay out its plot.
3: Yeah. And I yeah. say all the time, like a movie can be anything. Like that's the amazing thing is like a movie can do anything at any moment. So if you want to just have them be married, just cut to them being married. Yeah. If there was something important that happened along that process, I trust you would show me that one scene. Absolutely. But why not just jump ahead? The wedding's great
2: wedding's great. It's adorable. Yeah. It seems like it goes off wonderfully. And then they're watching the video a little later. Yeah. And you see just, like, Jerry's face as he's getting ready for, like, the ceremony. Yeah. And he looks like he's about to go off to war. Like, yeah. he just looks terrible. Oh, boy. And, that, like, that's what I was talking about. That scene Cuba Gooding Jr. plays so well where he watches his face. Like, you see his face yeah. fall as he realizes, like. Because he's already said. They've had the conversation about shoplifting the poony. Yeah, you know where he's basically saying like this is not <laughs> like a woman you can just casually date or just have it's around. A single because mother, you, need you can't do that to be with somebody. Yeah, yeah. this is a real thing. And, and Rod Jerry was raised takes by a single mother. Right.
3: That's the big thing is Rod understands like you don't understand what you're doing entering her life with the son.
2: Right, right, and, and you can't just present. do this by half. You gotta be in love. But with the him. problem is that Jerry takes that because he takes everything seriously. He's right. just like, "Okay, all right. Well, I guess this is the thing to do." Well, Rod's thesis is you you can't be with her if you're not in love with her. So the whole trick And Jerry's thing is, "Well, then I should marry her." And he's right. like,
3: "No, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. You got to be in
2: love with her." And later he asks like, "Why did you marry her?" And Jerry's like, "She was loyal." Yeah. And Rod just starts laughing at him because but like the whole trick of this movie, the whole trick that Cameron Crowe pulls is that he is in love with her. And he is from early on. He doesn't realize. And he's figuring it out. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like a backwards relationship. They get married, almost break up, and then realize that no, actually, we like to be together. But it's also. And it's not just like that I miss people, I miss you. But like. And it's it's the
3: thing of like, you know, I can't love somebody until you love yourself you know sure right he
2: needs to figure himself he just doesn't know who he is yet so he's not capable of engaging with someone in that way he finally so the movie progresses to this big football scene at the end of the movie where Rod gets a big success, you know. And then well, there's, there's,
3: I like that you skip ahead very quickly. Mm-hmm. The relationship just sort of like. It kind of falls apart, right? And Dorothy it's just, it's kind of breaks like up with him. Cold yeah. fish, and she has the speech where she says, my favorite line in the film. This great is line. genuinely my favorite it's line. It's a great line. You know, he loves my kid and he sure does like me a lot. Yeah,
2: this great guy. He loves me. He loves my kid and he sure does like me a
3: lot. Yeah. And she just says, I think this next road trip you take should be a break. Right. You know? Um, And she's just saying sort of like, I love that she's the one who kind of breaks up with him. And she's like, look, on the surface, it all is working, mm -hmm. but it just
2: doesn't feel right. And I can't put him through this. I can't put myself through this. But that's and that's the like when he when he then goes on the road to watch Rod have all this success and has already he's like gets his self-worth. Like yeah. a line, he gets like, you know, he and Rod have this big embrace, and like, you know, other people are like, oh, like, why don't I have an agent like this? And, Troy Aiken, you know, no longer are people, yeah, Troy, Troy Aiken's Aikman. Uh, uh, oh, I don't fucking know. Uh, says says <laughs> that. And, uh, but also, you know, I, it's like when he has this big moment of self worth and he's like, wait, I need Dorothy to be here. Like that thing where he picks up the phone and he says her name. Well, let's not rush through this moment. So, oh, but, I mean, but that's what he's figuring it out. I know. You
3: know? But Rod, uh, oh, God. Rod is like having a real good fucking game. And it's the last game of the season before the contract is going to lapse and he'd have to renew it, right? Uh-huh. And he does this insane catch where he like jumps up, yep, catches the ball, In the jumps end zone. over the guy and then it looks and like, he, like lands like kind of gets knocked on his head. Right on yeah. his neck. Right? <laughs> Lying Regina Kings there watching with his whole family. Yeah and they're watching this, she immediately, I mean, this is her Oscar moment, kind of, you know? Oh, she's incredible. But she immediately loses it, and they're going, no, 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 honey, honey, yeah, honey, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's wake the up.
2: nightmare of any athlete's spouse, like, it sucks. And a great Cameron
3: Crowe touch, where you're watching them watch the game, and then the game just cuts to... a commercial. That's yeah. Credit cards playing football. Yeah, it's a good commercial. But it also, like, puts you <laughs> it looks in... fun. It puts you in that moment, what right. it would feel like to be the wife of someone watching, potentially, my husband might be dead, Sure. He might be brain dead. He might be
2: paralyzed. He might be paralyzed. Sure. Might uh, the very least could just be injured and thus were broke. You know, a right. million different things.
3: And even I feel like I don't know if it's before the commercial break or after, but the announcer says, like, I sure hope his family isn't watching this, you know? And it's like for everyone else, this is just engaging television. Yeah. Like not that they don't care about him, but like first and foremost, I'm knocking everything over today. First and foremost, uh this is like it's entertainment, it's a story, right? But for her, it's like, this is life and death. And she immediately gets Jerry on the phone. And it's mm-hmm. like, Jerry, I need, I need you to tell me something. Yeah. And he goes like, he's not responsive. He's out. I just need you to stay calm. And she's like, I can't stay calm. You don't understand what's going on. Yeah. And I think this is part of the click for him is listening to her and how much he means to her because she's been so uh, aggressive in all these other scenes, you know? Yeah. She is
2: a marketing major. And she yeah she's sort she's of about the almost brand. in charge of her husband. She's brand talking about the and, yeah, family
3: and it's, and it's practical and it's about the numbers that they need to hit in order right. to keep everyone afloat. Yeah. But now this is just the love and the terror of not having her husband come back in the same form. Yeah. And he runs onto the field. There's a great movie star moment that he underplays where he's running on and people go hey hey and just without even looking he just over his shoulder flashes the VIP pass. Mm -hmm. So they let him do it. It's so secondary. And he's sort of like, there on the sidelines watching.
2: That's the thing. It's like, I think this is supposed to crystallize what he's offering. Yeah. Which is like, he's on the phone right away. He's there. Yeah. He's, you know, like, you know, sports agents have hundreds of clients. Like, you know, it's pretty unlikely they'd be on the scene. Like, and be able to call the family and be yeah. like, this is what's happening, like, it's okay, you know, it'll be all right, just, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he's always going to be there for Rod, and then, and then- Rod gets up, of course, he's fine, he well, does a big- Well, uh, but there's Super the moment when he,
3: they're snapping, and he kind of comes to, Yeah. and they go, are you okay? And he goes, wait, 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 let me have this moment. So good. And he just knows, he knows what's happening. He, he's woken up, and he knows he's just made his career. Yep. He did an incredible move, everyone thought he was dead, and he now has to play the part. And Cruz says there's the bathroom scene. The oh, Fine, fine. Help me help you. Yeah. And Cruz says. Uh, up at dawn, pride swallowing siege. Oh, God, he's so good. And Cruz yeah. says, like, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact wording, but he says, like, you play with your head, you need to play with your heart. Yeah, sure. Like, right. the, the big athletes, the stars, it's because the, the love fans the love the guy. And you don't—you're not making yourself lovable. Yeah. And he knows this is the moment. He's just done this heroic thing. Right. So it he, looked amazing. He falls down. This is his moment he's to milk it, milk it and sure. perform. Right, right. Right. And he
2: does it. Yeah. He does a big old Super Bowl shuffle. He jumps around. He jumps into the crowd and just know. becomes a
3: star. I mean, it's just it's like this—this this guy's a star. And afterwards, he's hounded by everyone. He's got sure. sunglasses on. And he on. wants Jerry. Right. And he just runs over to Jerry yeah. and hugs him. Troy Aikman boys, goes like, why don't we have right. that? And he Jay puts Moore him, tries to touch him on the shoulder yeah, or whatever. <laughs> puts him on the phone with his wife, and you just see the conversation. These two people love each other, and it's like, here are three people who care about each other and respect each other on a person-to-person level. It's not business. They are friends. Yeah, And that absolutely. is the they go to love crab restaurants together. of his life. Mm-hmm. And Jerry has that, but he's not. It's Dorothy. He's not appreciating it. He's I'm not it. I'm looking realizing. for my wife. Yeah. Oh, my God. The most, that's the sexiest thing anyone could say. The way he says it in the, those circumstances.
2: I know. No, I know. I mean, I mean that's the thing. The, the, he obviously runs home and into the divorced women's group.
3: Which I believe was based on something Cameron Crowe's mother actually One did in his story. childhood. One yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I believe I
2: heard that. Um, and he comes in and he gives the big speech. We live in a cynical world. Yeah. Cynical cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I tweeted that last night and three separate people thought I had gotten fired and then like texted me. <laughs> it was really I felt bad. I forgot that you complete me is set up earlier in the film. Of course in the when they quit the job. Yeah, yeah. they see a, a a deaf couple in the
3: elevator sign you complete me. He goes, I wish I knew what they were saying and she goes, my favorite on is death is you complete me. Um, but it's like the one moment where he doesn't know what else to say and he remembers that moment in the elevator, the most romantic thing he saw anyone ever say. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So he gives the whole speech and she goes, shut up, just shut up. You had me
2: a podcast, right? She says, you had me a podcast.
1: That's what she says. Yeah, yeah. that was weird. I, I was wondering
2: about yeah. that podcast too. Podcasts had not even been invented, but you you know, that's another, another thing that Jerry Maguire was right at the start of was the podcast revolution when mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger named them. Do you think
3: if they made Jerry Maguire today, it would be about a podcast agent instead of about <laughs> a sports Absolutely. agent? We have podcast
2: agents, both yeah. of us, separate. Yeah, and, and we're asking, we're-,
3: we're going to show us some money. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> um, no, no, he gives a speech, and she's just like, "Shut up, you have me a hello." It's so good. Okay, now here's my question. I burst into tears watching it last here's night. Here's my question for you. Into
3: tears. Here's my question for you. What's your question? Does he ever say hello?
2: Yeah, he does. He does? Okay, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. remember and I didn't want to rewind. The first thing he does when he comes in is say, says hello. He says
3: hello and not hi? And
2: then he says, I'm looking for my wife. You know, he, yeah. I'm pretty sure he says hello. Yeah, he had me at
3: hello. It's a great line. But it also is, I mean, it's the, the positive version of what was happening with Kush. Like, if you show, I always said, if you showed up, we'd go with you. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Like the right. mere fact that he shows up in that state tells her everything she needs to know. What he's saying is meaningless because, you know, his actions speak
2: <sighs> volumes. So great. Uh, it's, a, it. it's a great movie. And then you know how the movie ends? With a fucking Bob Dylan song. Because yeah. Cameron Crowe doesn't fuck around. He gets Bob Dylan songs. No one else gets Bob Dylan and songs. And what is his manager, his last line is really good.
3: The last line that the manager. To be honest, manager, yeah.
2: in my, f- I've failed as much as I've succeeded. I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but like, you know, but I love my wife. I love my life, and I wish you my kind of success.
3: I get choked up even hearing it's you deliver. so good, it. and you're
2: forgetting the biggest part of the film. Uh, when Jerry Owen Ray throws a baseball, I got a hot arm, that kid. <laughs> it's a slightly dorky joke.
0: Yeah, but, it, just, but his fake
3: got a little arm he's <laughs> throwing the baseball.
2: I like Knocked Up, which is another movie I would I'll defend to the death. Same I'm, here. I like movies that are about you know how romance can actually develop between people and not like. A meet-cute. Then they're together. Then a thing happens and they're apart. And then yeah. they get back together. You know, like, but actually about, like, the weird narratives and the compromises people make and, like, the, And the you manipulation. Know. Exactly. I said it
3: on our last episode. I need less meet-cute. I need more be sweet. I, the moment where you meet is irrelevant. It's about the moment. What about the moment we met? Where you fall in love.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I mean, we met in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Because we, we talked on Twitter and then we were like, you want to go see a movie together? So we met. I was late, as I always am, to everything, to a screening of stories we tell. This is a poly documentary. So we spent like an hour and a half sitting next to each other in the dark, and that was how we met. And then when the movie ended, we were like, "You want to go get drinks?"
2: Now, which movie was it? Because we saw the Bling Ring stories together, we tell, but it was stories we tell was the first. was the first, movie first one? We saw yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny that we did that. Yeah, yeah. But we kind of the like second hit the ground time running. It was after you'd gotten. Major fired. No, no, no. The first time you'd gotten major fired. No, that's not true. I believe the first time was
3: we had shot it and I hadn't heard back about it yet. Is that possible? No, the
2: first time I saw you, you had already gotten major fired. Really? Yeah, and then the second time- Was when I wasn't rehired? Yes, exactly. No, no, no. no. That's why I had gotten in touch with you. You're getting the timeline wrong. No, I'm not. The
3: first time was the show was not picked up.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. The yes, second time it. was a, you had gotten major fired, yeah, because the show had been picked up, but you I were I not, not was in not it. part of it. They had turned you into a fat ginger. Well, I'm not saying anything, uh, but but, um, but
3: I did. I texted you. You said, "Griff, how are you doing?" And we don't right, hang no, out once the at the that news point.
2: Had hit that it was like, "Ooh, Fox to pick up Mulaney," you know, or whatever. And we were like, "I, I texted you being like, hey, good news, right?'" And you were like, "Read the." press release again buddy look at the
3: wording and then you said like how are you doing and i said it's like the dark phoenix saga sure like i was in love and then my love died mm-hmm. and, and now, now my love's back, come back but, but it's trying to I don't kill trust me. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but then and we I saw think, the bling ring and went to movie trivia but yeah. i think you text me after that and you're like we should be really good friends like the fact that i <laughs> yeah, right, uh, that equated my heartbreak <laughs> to the dark phoenix saga <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's
2: right that's right
3: and that's this is the point like the meeting is whatever we met and it was fine but we didn't fall in love until later Yeah. You know, I mean, trivia was the second time we hung out and then we started going to trivia more and more often. I don't, I don't know if there was a specific moment where it was like, we're in love with each other, but it, you know, it grew, it built. And then the podcast is another level that the point is these relationships, they have stages and I don't like movies where it's just like someone meets someone and then they're in love. I think, you know, someone for a while and then there's a moment where you fall in love. Even if you have a crush on them at the beginning, there's a moment where you go, Ooh, you know, where the thing drops. Absolutely. To a whole nother level. Uh, this movie, yeah, it's it's one of the few like realistic relationship movies because you see them go through so much bullshit before it and you don't walk out of it going like, and they'll be happily ever and after. And yet
2: it's so heightened because the dialogue is so crazy yeah. and because the you know, storyline of the sports agent and all that stuff is so crazy. You know, Tom Cruise says things like, see this jacket? You can have it. I don't need it because I am cloaked in failure. He'll just say stuff like that. It's a great movie. What about the free-falling scene? There's so many scenes. We couldn't recap this whole
3: movie I know, where because there's so many funny a, little scenes. It's such a scenes. scene movie, But yeah, where he's looking for the right song to sing to. Can we go through the box office? Because I know one really interesting stat this movie has in terms of box office. So
2: this movie opened December 13th, 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the one of the big hits of 96. And I think it was uh, like
3: the eighth or ninth highest-grossing film ninth, that year.
2: I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was uh, number one. It made $17 million in its opening weekend.
3: Which today would probably be high 20s, 30s. Something like that, maybe like twenty-eight. Just give me a second, and I'll tell you it
2: would be thirty-three million dollars. Jeez Louise! Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah,
3: pretty good, and then it just good. kept on playing. It was number one many weeks in a row. Uh Yeah, well, and then uh, no, dipped it was, and then came back. It, it, it was it, up no, and down. It immediately yeah. dips. to okay.
2: two, two, two for three weeks, then yeah. back to one, then back to two, like and back to one. You know, like it's just in the box office yeah. basically through February. It's uh, it's in theaters and grossing big. Uh, it, it closes with 150 domestic, and uh, let me see how much it made worldwide. Another, yeah, 273 million dollars worldwide. Very that's good, for insane. Her. Yeah,
3: um, a thing I know about this movie is one of those weeks, one of those later weeks where it's number one is the lowest grossing number one movie in history. Uh,
2: oh, oh, right. Well, you mean like one of the. And like it, yeah.
3: the doldrums of February when nothing else was coming out and Jerry Maguire was yeah, in. It's, it's like probably when it 40. made
2: $5.5 5 million and was number one.
3: I believe that's the lowest grossing number one movie in history. Yeah. But at that point, it was already fucking sweeping up. Okay, let's go through December 1996. Jerry Maguire is number one at the box office. Number two, give me a hint.
2: Um, it's a movie you like a lot. In 1996. Yes. It's a sci-fi movie. That I like a lot? Yes. We've talked about it on this podcast. Starship Troopers. No. Fuck.
3: That's 97.
2: It is. I think it's pretty soon. It's like early 97. Yeah.
3: 1996.
2: It's a comedy. It's a a sci-fi comedy. That you like a lot. It opened to $9 million. This was its first weekend. In its first weekend. It ended with $37 million domestic. It was a bit of a bomb.
3: Huh. So, Men in Black doesn't come out till the following
2: year. True. And Independence Day, Day was is earlier. Last summer. Yeah, yeah, right. It certainly made more than thirty-seven mil.
3: Yeah, it's a sci-fi comedy that we've talked about a lot. It's a bomb. I feel like I probably own it. You think I own it? Probably.
2: Yeah. Is there merch? Yeah, it's based on merch. It's a film that. Oh, been-
3: oh, Mars attacks yeah. merch the movie.
2: It's like the merchiest movie of all time. It's a very merchy movie. It's the
3: only film based off of trading cards.
2: Uh, It's certainly one of the only films based off of trading cards. (laughs)
3: Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh. I (laughs) I love it. Great movie. Yeah, that was a real disappointing box office. People thought that was going to be a big blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, not at all. (laughs) Decidedly not. You know, they had a plan they were going to make a sequel that was going to be Dinosaurs Attack because there were like three parallel trading card series that were all attack series and Burton was Mm going to make the other attack movies.
2: It's probably good that he just made Mars Attacks as much as it's a delightful little movie. It's
3: a classic. Leave it as it is. Untouchable.
2: Number three. Untouchable. Untouchable. Number three. Fuck you. <laughs> is the had been number one the previous week and I think the week before that. Huge hit. Disney movie. 136 mil was the total gross. Uh, crazy costumes. Grand damn star. Based on an animated film. Oh, uh, 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. Number four is a movie starring Denzel Washington that was rated G. The Preacher's Wife? Yeah. Nailed that one. Directed by? Penny Marshall. That's right. With Whitney Houston, of course. Yeah. Number five is a film that I have seen a bunch of times for some reason. An action film set in the Holland Tunnel. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's an
3: action film set in the Holland Tunnel? It's uh, either the
2: Holland Stallone Tunnel. Stallone is in it. Yep. What is it? Yep. Stallone's in it. It was Oscar nominated for Best Sound Effects Editing. I know that without looking it up. Jesus Christ. What, what movie is It's it? called Daylight. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. I was going to say Daybreak, but I
3: thought that wasn't a title. It's a pretty it's not- fun
2: little movie. Yeah? Yeah. Remember, he has to jump through these like wind tunnels to even get into the tunnel. I've never seen it.
3: Pretty yeah. good. Uh, can I say something about The Preacher's Wife? Just a thing that's always stuck in my mind. Yeah. First of all, that's a remake of a movie, but the remake has, the original has a different title, right? Isn't one like The Priest's Wife?
2: I'll look it up. And I, think, I believe wife?
3: so. I believe they're different titles.
2: Yeah, all right. The, the, with, uh, the Bishop's Wife yes. with Carrie uh, with Grant.
3: Fucked us up at trivia once.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. It yeah. made me really angry. Yeah, that's right. But it's true. Yeah. Uh,
3: the second thing I was going to say was I remember reading uh, an interview with the kid, the lead kid from The Preacher's Wife in Disney Adventures magazine. Okay. And they said, like, what do you got coming up next? And the kid was like, well, I signed a three-picture deal with Disney, so probably The Preacher's Wife, too. And even as like a seven-year-old, I was like, there's not going to be Preacher's <laughs> Wife, I mean, The <laughs> like, Preacher's Wife up. was fine, did well, but... Uh, yeah, but they're, that's not, they're, they're not franchising that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no. kid, kid, welcome
2: to Hollywood. No, yeah, then, um, the, <laughs> that I'm the breaks. Here are some All other right. movies in in the top ten of December in 1996. <laughs> why do I remember? I don't know why you remember Quotes that. Quotes interviews right. from Disney Adventures magazine. Enough, enough. Here's oh, also opening this week, Citizen Ruth. A great Alexander movie. Fan, opened to $26,000. Yeah. On six screens. Not it's a big colossal hat. bomb, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jingle All the Way is in the top ten with Jake Lloyd.
3: See, I saw most of these films in theaters. Sure. I saw Jingle I saw All the Way in, in theaters. theaters. I saw Mars Attacks in theaters. I saw
2: Daylight in theaters. I saw Mars Attacks. I did not see Jerry Maguire uh, in I theaters. I saw 101 Dalmatians in I theaters. I saw 101 Dalmatians yeah. in I theaters. I saw Jerry Maguire in Wife in theaters. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek First Contact with number seven I also saw in theaters did a great see that. film Yeah, uh, Ransom I did not see that in theaters the yeah, Ron did Howard uh, revenge movie with Mel Gibson yeah got a
3: ripping James Horner score Yeah, the main theme from Ransom fucking Good. rules Woo! I jammed Love that to Horner it. yeah uh,
2: Star Trek First Contract's got a great score too but I think it's Goldsmith because you know Goldsmith and Horner both took their cracks at, at Star Trek yeah but I think Goldsmith's on it for that one I think so um, they both did great jobs Space Jam, still in there.
3: Well, I mean, come on, Slam. Welcome
2: to the jam. Uh, English Patient, still in there. Obviously, goes on to win Best Picture over Jerry Maguire in a shocking travesty of a win. Did, did people think Maguire was going to win? No. Yeah. No. English Patient had it sewn up. It just sucks. Have I ever told you the thing about my, my. The mirror has two faces and set it off? <sighs> this
1: one's calling me. What is it? No, oh, just fucking... Yeah. yeah. Whatever, man.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Okay, so I want to talk about the Oscars because this was a notable year in that four of the five Best Picture nominees were independent films for the first time ever.
2: Yeah, the Best Picture nominees were Can You Do
3: It? Shine. Yep. Fargo. Yep. Secrets and Lies.
2: Yep. And The English Patient. Yeah, and the fifth is Jerry. Right. Jerry M.
3: Yeah, so you had like four independent films, two of which were Miramax? Mm, The English Patient is Miramax. I believe Secret and Lies was Miramax. Might as well. Um... Or I think Shine was... No, Shine was New Line. Fine line. Anyway, 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 anyway. uh This is this year where everyone went like, oh, the indies have taken over. Sure, right. And for the first time, the Oscars became like an indie game. Because before that, there were the Independent Spirit Awards. And that was their little tent. And you give it to these yeah. little oddball movies. But the Oscars... You had to be a big boy. You had to come play. You had to Secret throw down this was
2: not Miramax, just to be clear. Okay. But English was. You
3: had to throw down like fucking sixty million dollar budget on the table. Right, if you no, were gonna Secret compete to the eyes, It
2: barely made any money, like Shine yeah. hadn't made much money. Fargo honestly didn't make that much money. No, you know, like yeah.
3: And and Jeremy Maguire was like the one film that's like, oh, one Hollywood film fighting the rest of this. And you look at Jeremy Maguire today, and Jeremy Maguire is the movie that would have the hardest time getting made in the current oh, totally. studio system. One hundred percent. hundred percent. You could get major studio financing for Fargo, Shine, or The English Patient so much faster. and Secret Because lies, of the Oscars. Right. And Secret and Lies is so cheap that you go, like, maybe they would have given it, like, you know, a million dollars. But Jerry Maguire's studio would never make today. It's amazing that that was viewed as, like, the David versus Goliath, and Jerry Maguire was the Goliath. Kind of. And now, like, Jerry Maguire would be the David because, like... If you're making a film like this, you're making it on an independent level. Mm-hmm. You're not getting the same sort of support, the same sort of freedom. You don't no, have James L. I, Brooks I know you're over saying. your shoulder. You don't Jimmy get the biggest L. movie star in the world. And the audiences aren't aren't heading out to
2: that. So, you know, with some of the big movies 96 is the big the the you know the dawn of the new blockbuster because you've got Independence Day, you've yeah. got Twister, you've got Mission Impossible, you've got The Rock, like you've got a lot of big, big action movies. So
3: Mission Impossible and Jeremy Gore were the same year. Yeah, 96. He fucking Christ. Yeah, He had a real
2: year. Nutty Professor is that year.
3: Oh man, talk about big. He's fat. You like that movie, Ben? Uh, The
2: Nutty Professor? Yeah, with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the Nutty Professor. Oh yeah. The craziest yeah. thing is that Yeah, I like that I like that movie. Eddie, Eddie Murphy guy. won two major critics <laughs> awards for that performance. Yeah. Yeah. Like over like your your Tom Cruises or your uh, Jeffrey Rush. I mean, he or should
3: or have that. been nominated no question. Mm, it's a tough year, buddy. Okay, the five were Fines.
2: Mm-hmm. Who should not have won? Um, but he's nominated. Rush, who yep. did win? Who should not have won? Cruz, who should have won?
3: And then the other two would have been. Give me hints.
2: I, I I'm not gonna give you hints because we're going along. Okay. But uh, Woody Harrelson and People versus Larry Flint, which is a fantastic performance, beautiful performance, and uh, and also along over you know, Harrelson's yeah. putting in his dues. Yeah. Know. And then Billy Bob Thornton for Sling Blade, which is another indie success of the year. And I I just wrote a piece about um, Ben Affleck's Armageddon commentary on the Criterion Edition. And every time... Because obviously he recorded it in 98. Every time Bob Billy Bob Thornton is on screen, Ben Affleck goes into it, like an extended sling blade impression where he's like, oh, yeah, see, the NASA's boys say hey, there's the an asteroid. And he and like, what if the whole movie was just like he got out of the funny home and he just like got in charge of NASA. And the whole thing's a hoax. And there's no asteroid. Like Ben Affleck's commentary is really seek it out. It's yeah, incredible. I, will. I,
3: I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. Uh.
2: It's really weird that
3: Jeffrey Rush won that
2: year actually
3: like looking back on it. I mean, a cuz he's not the lead of that movie. No, he's
2: not even in it as nearly as much as some of these other nominees, yeah. And
3: Noah Taylor I think has more screen time than he does, I would almost argue. Yeah,
2: but it was there was some weird magic to there it. Was it is weird, weird that he won cuz it he's was like like swept. He like It you know. was
3: there was no question he was going to win. Yeah. Like it was inevitable. But but he has yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting performance. It's a good performance. It's just it's an odd win for a movie that didn't get that much attention. Otherwise. But it got a bunch of Oscar nominations.
2: Armin Muller-Stahl. Yeah, yeah the great. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's the year Fargo wins for actress and screenplay. Cuba wins for supporting actor, gives a famous Oscar speech where he thanks everybody and he won't leave the stage and he's jumping around. It's very cute. And it's
3: very similar to Rod Taylor on the talk show yeah. when he breaks down it, crying and woo! they go, okay, we don't have time to thank everybody. You are my ambassador Quan. That's why, I mean, overnight everyone was like, oh, I guess Cuba's a movie star because it was like, sure. gave this star performance and then at the Oscars he like keeps the brand going. Like yeah. he does the thing we all loved him doing in the movie and everyone was like, more of this please and they proceed to burn all his bridges.
2: He yeah, he made some mistakes. Uh, he's still a good actor. He's good in people versus OJ this year. Yeah, he was very uh, good in that. Uh, but this that's the year Binoche wins for over Lauren Bacall to everyone's shock in supporting actress. Right, Gina King should have been both of them. And I think I've referenced this before. It's but a tough year, though. You got Joan Allen in The Crucible. You got Marianne Jean-Baptiste in uh, Secrets and Lies. So wait, it's it's and McDormand Hershey.
3: wins lead actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, I uh, I think I've referenced this before in the past, but my, uh, this was the first year my parents brought me to like an Oscar party. Yeah, I know.
1: You've said this. And right. I was
3: like, oh, everyone likes English patient, and I just picked English patient every category, and I almost won the whole thing. I was the only one who had Binoche because everyone else picked Binoche.
2: Right. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Um, so we're basically done. Yeah. With talking about G. McGuire's G. McGuire. Oh yeah, I wanted to Jerry read Mag's. Yeah. This quote from our, the Armageddon commentary. <laughs> By the way, Armageddon is a great movie. I just turned around on it, having watched it with the commentary. Yeah. Uh, there's this moment where there's this like god awful like you know almost a parody montage of them all like waving American flags and shit, and Affleck's like. I love this sequence. It looks like a Miller genuine draft ad. I like those ads. (laughs) Like,
3: he's just so funny. I have to listen to that.
2: Anyway, earlier on, he's like, have you ever noticed how everyone in these movies has to be the best? Bruce Willis is the best deep core driller. What do they rate deep core drillers? Like, if you went around and asked somebody who's the best deep core driller, who would have an answer? Is he the only one on the commentary track? No, the commentary switches between four isolated tracks. Oh, that's always weird. It is weird. Michael Bay, who's actually pretty funny and candid, but he's very Michael Bay. Bruce Willis, who's useless, and they barely cut to him at all. Yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer, who's kinda whatever. You don't hear he's much. Patting of him. himself on the back. Yeah. Michael Bay is often just like, that dog costs twenty thousand dollars. That is a trained dog, he costs twenty thousand dollars. Like he's doing a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and Affleck's just throwing out straight heat. Affleck is literally like, did you see that helicopter in the background? That helicopter's in the scene for one second. They'll eat a whole day because they're just trying to show off and have a helicopter in the background. <laughs> he's so funny. That and Con Air, those two movies have like the weirdest
3: cast for a major blockbuster. Armageddon has a crazy cast.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's Affleck talks about. It's like, he's like, me, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, Michael Clark, Steve Duncan, Buscemi. But like Steve Buscemi's a writer. He's talking about how, like, there were all these actors who write. You know, yeah. I mean, Affleck had just won an Oscar for writing. Right. And they were all just sort of hanging out and being like, what is this fucking movie? This Peter Stormare, right? Peter Will Stormer, Patton, William
3: <laughs> Fickner, Billy Bob, also an actor who had just won an Oscar uh, and for writing. writing yep. Yeah. Acclaimed uh, novelist Bruce Willis. Yeah. yeah, Bruce Willis, who wrote um, uh, In Search of Lost Time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,. And uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire, great movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is my favorite Crow movie. I it, can't deny it, it is not mine. So almost famous is your favorite? I believe so.
1: Oh I mean, shit! I forgot to point something out.
3: I say believe so because I haven't seen Elizabeth Town yet.
1: Yes, Ben. <laughs> oh please. Um. In his apartment. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, prominent fax machine. <laughs> I swear to God.
3: Okay, so that concludes Ben's <laughs> tech corner for the day. Oh my god. Uh, ben, have fun cleaning up the ejaculate all over your little fucking sound booth.
2: I will. Oh my um, god. This is no, this is a way better movie than Almost Famous. I'm sorry to say. I prefer Almost Famous. We'll talk about that next week. And next week we'll
3: be reviewing the bootleg cut, also known as Untitled. David is gesturing, jerking off a penis. (laughs) Yep. He's running his cupped hand up and down.
2: Do you know, like, he almost called almost famous Vanilla Sky, and then he almost called it untitled. There were, like, so many crappy titles he just had in, like, a basket. I like all those titles. You know what I think is a great title? Vanilla Sky.
3: (laughs) Vanilla Sky. I want to eat that movie. When I see that DVD, I go, yeah, give me a scoop of that. Vanilla Sky, I think, is a great title. I
2: mean, he obviously wrote that down and was just like, I'll call a movie Vanilla Sky Someday I'll sky call sometime. something Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. Great title. Do you remember Paul McCartney's Vanilla Sky song? Yeah, it's like totally cute. I remember him playing it at the Oscars. He's yeah. like... Da, 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 but da. He, he has to keep on saying Vanilla, vanilla Sky sk- over.
3: Like I lost in a Vanilla Sky. Like, that's where you get... Oh, doop-a-doop. A doop-a-doop
2: do, do, Vanilla Sky. That's um, so weird. Love Vanilla Sky. Give me two scoops of that. I mean, me. I can't wait to talk about Vanilla Sky, and I have not seen it in years. You know the weird thing about Vanilla Sky? I, it's I, called Vanilla Sky. Yeah, I actually saw Abre los ojos before I saw Vanilla Sky, like which it's a remake. Yeah, of, which I don't think is that common because that movie wasn't a very big hit. But for some reason, I watched it on TV.
3: Well, see, I'll say I there was I, the summer camp I went to, the day camp I went to when I was like seven or eight. This kid on the bus was fucking obsessed with Abre los ojos. Open and, your eyes. And would talk By about Alejandro it. Every, every
2: fucking day. It's kind of a cool movie. Way better than Vanilla Sky. But Every mind.
3: day he'd yeah. sit next to me on the bus and be like, I'm telling you this movie. Mm-hmm. And he would just like talk about it. So when Vanilla Sky came out it was a remake of that, I was like, Well, fuck that. You know when someone talks about something so much that you decided you hate it? Sure. Right, so right. I like didn't want to see a remake of Maybe that movie. Maybe we should watch that it. But I hadn't seen. Maybe we
2: should. It's pretty good. Yeah, I want to watch it. And he's had an interesting career. Uh at Minnabar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some uh, of the uh my back pages, the uncool. Imagine, Tangerine, A Thousand Words. The Uncool is the name of his website. I mean, a lot of these things he repurposed for no, other I things. I know, yeah. I, Hotel Kisses, In Through the Outdoor. Well, that's terrible. That's the what worst What if he had made a movie it. called In Through the Outdoor?
3: Yeah, I would have vomited if he made a movie <laughs> called In Through the Outdoor. I'll say, I, I mean, you know, calling a movie untitled is pretentious. I do think Almost Famous is one of the few movies where it's like that kind of works as a title.
2: I think Almost Famous is a decent title. I do too, but I, I think, think, I think
3: Untitled, Untitled is a shit title. I think it's a good title for that movie. Fuck that. I like it. Fuck it. Next week we'll be reviewing Untitled, <laughs> a.k.a. Almost Famous, the bootleg cut. Uh, I believe you can find it on Blu-ray right now for $5. I don't know if it's available on streaming sites or if on you know, uh, your Amazons, your iTuneses. if it's only the theatrical version, but uh, it's out there. Uh, you can watch it somehow uh so please uh you know uh thank you for listening get ready for that yeah um there'll also be a uh, del close marathon episode i don't know when that will drop we'll in that to point. this but it's a bonus episode we're still trying to figure out exactly right, what it will be we've run like two hours okay yeah, we're end of this end of this thank you all for listening please rate subscribe review tweet at us email us all the stuff we will
1: uh we promise we will read some uh reviews uh we've we oh keep yeah, we keep we're going to it, that. so, yeah. uh, you know, uh, sorry about that. It'll happen soon.
3: Yeah. Uh, so just tune in next time for a good, you know, another case from the Orange Twist file, another burger report, uh, review corner, all, all your favorite things, Merchandise Spotlight. Um, uh, Jerry Maguire, Merchandise Spotlight uh, was the most produced VHS tape of all time. and It True. was the highest selling uh, non-Disney VHS of all time, yep. which has led to the Mimi sort of everything is terrible thing where the guy's trying to collect as many Jerry Maguire tapes as possible. He's built a room out of Jerry Maguire tapes. Do you know about this?
2: No, but we have to. It's You funny. call
3: them memes. Meme, mimi. Meme. I was saying mimi, like like not like it's a meme with a y. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, stay tuned for all of that. <laughs> and as always, remember to tweet at jaleb Great job. You did a great job. Hashtag the two. The two-